Coming up on episode 116 of Pixel Gaiden. We talk about horror villains and the games they like to play. We battle some Gen 5 spooky games. Update you on some new C64 games. And Eric talks about his Famicom. The guys drink some creepy ale. Ponder Atari's future. Glorify mobile game preservation. Discuss the new Raspberry Pi 5. And talk about the games we have collecting dust. Hello, Eric. <laughs> oh, it's the ghost of Cody. No, you're still alive. What kind of uh, creepy Halloween monster was that supposed to be? It sounded like a ghost to me, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson. And you're listening to... Pixel, Pixel Guide... Dan. Pixel Guide. <laughs> yeah, we really... We did not. We did not sync well. It's not on like that we one. practiced it. We just kind of. I just kind of felt like throwing you under the bus, and let's see. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> um. Uh. Yes. My name is Cody Hoffman. If you're looking for uh, pixel and Gaideni things, you're in the right place. Or if you're looking for retro video games or retro inspired video game talk, you're in the right place. Um, I identify as a mummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How nice. about you, Eric? What are you? What is your spirit monster? I identify, I think, as a soulless, blood-sucking vampire. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I can live with that. Um, we are get, we're, getting, we're getting spooky this, this, uh, this episode. You know, the first three or so years we did this, we, like, failed to theme our shows when it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've actually done a pretty good job this time. I'm happy with that. Yeah. And I, like, I've told you this before. I love Halloween. Um, it, it's just, it's a silly... Yeah made up uh you know holiday so um, it's real eric <laughs> it's real. all hallows <laughs> eve um yeah real quick on episode 116 you're listening to it right now we're going to start off with some quick questions halloween related mm-hmm. um but my patreon song gets a little i bust out some rhymes eric yeah. i must say uh, I am happy about that. I've been waiting for a long time to hear, to throw down some raps. There we go. There we go. Eric, you have a take after that. I do have a take on my Famicom journey. It's a, it's a, it's an ode. It's a love song to the Famicom, the family computer made by Nintendo. Yep. The original NES as it was released in Japan. Uh, We're going to hop in and catch you guys up on some news that's happened since we last spoke. And we're going to round out this episode with a battle of the systems in which um, I picked this one. You did. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It is <laughs> Nightmare Creatures on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. And Mr. Bones on the Sega Saturn. And for the most part, I wanted to t- pick two games that were kind of locked into their own systems. Um, right. Games that I knew weren't. Uh, they were in the in the general zeitgeist. People knew of them. Um Turns out Nightmare Creatures actually was released on the PlayStation, but also on the 64. But we covered the 64 version because I wanted you to 
play your most uh, hated system and laugh <laughs> because that's what you do on Halloween. You play tricks on people. And I have highlighted the differences between the N64 and PS1 version in there. There are many. Oh, well, so. I look forward to hearing about it, Eric. So that's going to be awesome. on this episode, episode 116. Again, make sure you check the show notes if you want to hop to any of those, or if anything we're saying is not interesting to you and you want to see if we're interesting later in the show, maybe. I don't know. Hop <laughs> over there and check the date stamps, and you'll see what time each episode or which part of the episode uh, starts. Uh, next episode will come out October 30th, so right before Halloween. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to do some quick questions. Eric's, I don't, I don't know, even know how to explain this. It's a game show of some sort that Eric has prepared for me to play. That's right, because it's going to be only you and me, Cody. So I have, you're going to be against the the game master, against me. Well, you just basically answer the some game questions. game master. But there is a twist to it, so stay tuned so you will learn about the twist. I don't want to give it away too soon. And our listeners might be saying, hey, uh, what about the best part of the show, Tim? And unfortunately, Tim's once again not going to be able to join us this particular uh, month. So uh, here's a few show notes in here we will read for everybody uh, to to make sure Tim is in our minds, in our hearts, and in our everything. I don't know what to go with that. Uh, and then uh, you'll, you're, there's a Cody's Corner coming up. Now, Cody's Corner, I decided I'm going to start trying some of these Atari Recharge games. Oh, that we've been talking about on the show. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. do one an episode. I don't know if I'm, how long I'm going to do it. Maybe they're terrible. I don't know, but I'm going to do at least one. So you will find out which one when you listen to Cody's Corner on next episode. Uh, of course, Eric and I are going to catch up on what we've been doing in the hobby over the last month. And then we have a six good games segment, which is extremely mm-hmm. clever, Eric. Six good games with what in them? <laughs> Skeletons. Skeletons. That's a good, solid theme for uh, for many video games. So I figured it'd give us uh, a pretty wide net to to choose from. Um, but there are a lot of bad skeleton games and a lot of good ones. So, and it happens to be one of our battle games is a skeleton game, Mister Bones. I would say that forty percent of video games have dragons in them, which is what we did last month, yeah. and about thirty percent have skeletons in them. Correct. That's so, probably a rough estimate. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I wanted to throw a wide net and play, have some fun with it. So hopefully you Perfect. pick some good ones. Any game where somebody gets electrocuted and they show the skeleton <laughs> underneath, which is like yeah. a lot of games. Boom, they, skeleton. A lot of them. You're in. Yeah, so, so you tell me I could have picked Street Fighter 2. You, oh, you absolutely could have. Um, Eric, we don't like to, to dribble-drabble. I don't know if that's a word. That diddle-daddle. much. We, diddle-daddle. Tittle-tattle. We don't want to waste time. That's we want right. to get right into the heart of what we're doing here on Pixel Guide In, which is why we start off every episode with some quick questions. Quick questions! So, Mitsuyama from our uh, Discord, which you can join our Discord by just becoming a patron of ours via Patreon. Uh, Mitsuyama in our Discord has asked... Halloween-themed quick question. Who is your favorite horror movie villain? And to keep it video game related, what do you think their favorite, their, not your, their favorite video game would be? Perhaps Michael Myers is a fan of Yoshi's Woolly World. Who wouldn't be? Maybe Jason Voorhees loses days to Nintendogs. I prefer Nintendcats. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead, answer that. All right, so first and foremost... Mm-hmm. I love terrible B-movies. Yes. Love them. It's like my 
any movie, if you want to pick the most recent blockbuster, three hour long, um, you know, Hollywood CGI crazy effect, whatever, or like an 83 minute garbage horror movie from the 80s that was kind of meant to be terrible to, from the beginning, I will take that yeah. any day of the week. Uh, that okay. being saying, I don't like actually scary movies. Not a fan of like, you're actually going to scare me. Right. I or, don't like the, especially the latest crop of like, you know, Saw and, you know, Human Centipede or whatever the heck it's oh, called. Gee. I don't well, that's like just gross out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that kind of stuff at all. I do like, I do like really scary movies though. And okay. from when okay. I was a kid, like Exorcist, uh, you know, Amityville Horror, uh, Poltergeist. I do like those kind of movies. Gotcha. Uh, so anyways, I'm going to go with, and I can't, so I don't really have, a lot of these movies have a main character like a Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees as pointed out here. Um, right. I can't find a whole lot of movies that have one particular ho- villain, but the one that pops into my mind, because I love it so much, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> nice. And I have to pick all five clowns. I think there's supposed to be more, but there's really five that they made costumes for. They just try to make it look like there's more. And, uh, they're just these goofy, oversized, awkward, obviously people in a clown suit, but still creepy and unsettling at the same time. I have to check it out. Uh, and all kinds of amazing things happen in that movie. Like um, one of the clowns decides to do paper or what do you call it? Uh, finger puppets. Shadow, puppets, shadow, yeah. shadow puppets on the wall and a crowd yeah. of people. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but a crowd of people comes up to watch it and they're clapping. They think it's the greatest thing ever. And then he makes a T-Rex and eats them with a shadow puppet. Just, wow. you know, mind-blowing. Another one, there's a, they're trying to find somebody, so they take a, a long balloon and, and make it into a balloon animal dog, and the dog sniffs yeah. out people. So he's, they start sniffing out and finding people that are hiding. Anyways, wow. brilliant stuff. So This must have been like a Martin Scorsese movie, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty okay. much. It talks about <laughs> the deep inner struggles of our World War II heroes. No. Um so I'm not going to go with creepy because that's the easy thing is, oh, they're creepy clowns. They want to play a creepy evil game. No, these clowns don't. They're innovative. They like to figure things out. So I'm going to go with The Incredible Machine. Incredible Machine. you remember machine. that? Yeah, that game. I, it was on all the old PCs or the Macs. I and the Amiga that. had it. Yeah, and you'd, yep. it'd be like, here's some items. Try to get ball this ball into this cup way up here at the top. And you just try to find a way to make a gadget to get the ball up there. And I think they would love that. That would be that would be a good pick. What do you got? Well, I don't know if it's my favorite because I don't know if I have a favorite horror movie villain. I'm trying to think, but I do remember when I was younger, I thought um, I wasn't scared of him at all, but I thought it was a pretty funny and I guess somewhat interesting character. It was probably be like Freddy Krueger. So from Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Have you seen those? I assume you've seen I, them. I actually have not, no. Never seen them. I, I I did not enjoy the scary movies, nor was I allowed to watch PG-13 until I was 13, okay, which at that point okay. I was like 95, so right, 96. Right. Um, so I would think that he would like a game like Tekken, um, okay. like, the 3D, like the 3D Tekken, because I think there's a character that has like knives on his claws, and I think Freddy Krueger would be a very good like po- polygonal highly polygonal early 3d fighter <laughs> he'd be a fan th- of the, of I the think genre he would love, I, I think he would love be a fan of the genre because he's got these long lives and there's characters that look a little bit like him so that's what i'm gonna pick or that uh there was like a girl in soul caliber i think had those claws as well i might be thinking of that that i might be thinking of that because i also Vega. thought of like 
like the fan in uh, Mortal Kombat. The, the, yeah. The, the woman fighter that has the fan with knives in it. Yeah. I think he'd be a fan of that. <laughs> cool. I like it. I like it. We got creative there. I appreciate that. Um, I think this next one, Eric. So yes. I'm doing some quick math in my head. Yeah. And because you and I don't have as much to talk about as you and I and Tim would have. That's true. That's math, right? We're going to have about two thirds of the material. Okay. Um, that means our ship, our episodes, our talking is going to be roughly that much shorter. Mm-hmm. We also have four beers that have that much more alcohol in them. The yes. longer we wait, the more we're going to have to cram four beers tonight into one very short amount of time. Correct. And that Correct. equals not great. I like where this is going though. <laughs> so let's go ahead and crack open our first beer. And I think we should Yay! just, I think we should go for broke to start this one out. Yep. Which one are we starting with, Cody? Because I know we're you going brought for, to the table. We're going for broke. Uh-oh. We're going, we're going for this that means. brightly colored can from Big Sexy Brewing. I got it right here. I got it right here. What is that called, uh, Eric? So this is Call of Cup Kapulu? Yeah. Cup, but it's spelled Kapulu. I, so I think it's a play. Actually, on. if you look on the side, it's Call of Lapulu. Call of. That's an you L. Say that. Oh, Call there it is. There Lapulu. it is. Call of Lapulu. Which is clearly a play on Call of Cthulhu. Exactly. The, the short by H.P. Lovecraft that created the whole Cthulhu mythos and the amazing yeah. uh, zounds of other novels and things that were created based off this elder god. And oh my goodness, this is probably the coolest can, and I'm not going to throw this away. This one's going on my shelf. Yeah, definitely. I think the can looks really cool. It is bright colors, like green, like like kind of a hazy pink in the sky, making it very ominous. Uh, blue water down below, and it looks like a Cthulhu monster, right? That's him. Yeah, that is the Cthulhu, the Elder God. Which, by the way, according to the lore of these yeah. of Cthulhu. He is one of many elder gods. He just happens to be the most popular one. Okay. And the concept is he lays sleeping under the Atlantic Ocean, somewhere down there. Yeah. And groups of cultists are called by supernatural forces to hold out different rituals and rites to awaken the elder gods, one of which is this Cthulhu. And he will rise out of the ocean and destroy unrelentingly, not because he hates or not because he cares, but because he's indifferent to humans yeah. as a species. So there you I'm go. That is, like the, that. that is <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to call you like old that. man Cthulhu moving forward. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's crack this puppy open. Yep. Yes. No, so you have a trash can close by. <laughs> I thank you. Uh, luckily it did not blow up everywhere. And you're uh you're doing your usual thing these days is you're just like an animal drinking it out of the... Eric, I don't have time to be doing all kinds of runs, backing up down the stairs for, to the refrigerator. I got you. I have I to make you. enough runs to the bathroom as it is, putting all this beer in me each episode. And this is by a brewery called Big Sexy Brewing Company. Right here in Sacramento, California. Is it really? Off oh, of yeah. 88th Street. 88th Street. And this is a double IPA, which means it is 8.5% alcohol by volume and a 16-ounce can. So let's do this thing right, Eric, and say cheers. Cheers. All right. Definitely getting the hops. Getting the hops. I'm getting the hops, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm happy to say it's not super hoppy flavored. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's got a slight floral scent to it. Um, it's clear. I mean, not clear. It's hazy, but it's a lighter colored, which is great. Um, I, as people know on the show, I'm not a fan of IPAs in general, but this one definitely does not have what I, it doesn't have the characteristics that I loathe about IPAs. It's not super hoppy up front. I'd love a super fan to do us the favor of going back through every episode and pointing out any IPA I've given you where you're like, nope, that's gross. You always oh, say, this yeah. one's not actually gross. This one doesn't have the IPA thing I don't like. Like everyone I've that's ever true. put on here. That's true. I mean, that's, I think that's true. There have been some I've really not liked, but um, this one's not bad. See, I'd beg to differ. This one tastes like an IPA to me in a way that is not my favorite. It's not your favorite. Correct. What, 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 is, what, is, what is not, not ringing with you here? It's got the hoppy flavor along with the just it's bitter and it it's is dry. Yep. Any of these things together with other things can be good, but it's just those three things to me. It's hoppy and bitter and dry. There's a little sweetness to it. There is a little sweetness to it. Sweetness. Yep. Okay. Well, what's our what's our Halloween rating? I think we just stick with the whole thing all month. Okay. We could do the obvious, which would be 13. Ooh, I like this. Out of 13. 13 um, tombstones? Sure. 13 tombstones. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Um, it was like... Ooh. Thanks, Tim. Hey, the, good to hear him. The ghost of Tim passed. <laughs> <laughs> I will give this one, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to nudge it from, I'll nudge it up, up to a six. Six. Wow. Not a big fan of it. The can. I was... The can gives it, it was going to be a 5.5. Do I round down or up? And I went up because of that slight sweetness and because of the can. Okay. I'm going to go with, honestly, I'm not that far off you. I, I, I think I was, I think I'm going to do six and a half. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. Our first beer, but 13 out of 13 for the can. I can't imagine yeah, a, a can looking cooler. And I don't regret my purchase because of it. And thank you for providing the beer. Our next quick question comes from our homeboy, Amigo Aaron. Yes. Fellow ghoul, should I say? I'm trying to make this more Halloween-like. He says, screw the game's questions. I want to know if any of you have ever seen a ghost, UFO, or monster. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a good one. I hope you have a good story. I want to hear your Um, story. First first of all, um, I just heard today, because I listened to... Um, Amigo Aaron's podcast in the car. Um, I don't watch the YouTube videos generally. I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos. So I, I, I mean, I, I listen to audio podcasts. Um, and he has one that comes out every time this year called Tales from the Dark Side. Um, yep. And he usually has a, um, uh, you know, someone that he hosts with. Sometimes it's Flack. 
um, which it was today. And sometimes I think he's had boat in the past. And but anyway, I I love listening to stuff like that. I I, I love the theme and everything. And I've listened to all the ones in the past. And I didn't get to listen to it live, but I just wanted to give that plug out to it. Listen to they talked about um, made for TV. Um, scary movies or horror movies made for TV horror movies. That so that was the theme. That's of right it. in my alley. Yeah. So, have you ever seen a ghost, a monster, or a UFO? Hmm. So, on the last, I think it was the last one before this, Tales of the Dark Side from Amigo Aaron. I actually phoned in and left a voicemail for them because the Ooh. theme was UFOs. Um. So I'm going to just reiterate that story. Um, I was out for a run in a summer day, middle of the summer. Like it's hot outside. It's like 90 degrees. I'm out for a run. It's in the middle of the day, bright blue skies. And how you start a horror story. Exactly. That's what (laughs) was so shocking about this story. Okay. Um, I'm out. I am. I'm out for a run and I have, um, sunglasses on and they're polarized sunglasses. Okay. Um, so I take my glasses off and I'm like looking around and I, I'm kind of just like running. I stop to get some rest and I'm looking around and then I throw my sunglasses back on and up in the sky, I saw three circles in formation flying through the sky and they would change uh, formation and they would just keep going in a direction and then they would zip to a different location and they would think now I, when you see something like that, I was like, oh, Starlink. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> Starlink. Well, it could be, but so I <laughs> took my glasses off and they, I couldn't see them. They're completely gone. Put them back on, the polarized lenses, and three of them. Now, the three of them are traveling across the sky. Then one drops off and goes the other direction. So, no, that's not Starlink. Oh, man. Um, and then there are two going in direction. And then one got bigger and it was just completely round like a BB got bigger and then it darted off and then the other one darted off. But I, and I, to this day, that was like maybe two summers ago, no idea what it was. So it's to me, it's a UFO, right? I mean, it's not an alien or anything, but something I couldn't identify it. So there's a UFO. So yep. now I'm ready, Cody. Which Lay I on. really, which I really appreciate that you, cause I am always a, a dork when it comes to technicalities and I can't stand when people are like, have you ever seen a UFO? I don't believe in UFOs. I'm like, it's an unidentified flying object. It's, if, if yep. you can't identify it, it's a UFO. Like, you, can't, exactly. you don't believe that things up there might not be identified by people? Of course they yeah. are. Um, yep. Anyways, nerd Cody here. Put my glasses back on. I have no experiences at all like any of that. Sorry, I'm lame. Nothing. Nope. Never saw anything in the sky. You couldn't identify. Never no, saw the close, anything. The closest. I mean, everything that I might have thought was something was when I was very young, and therefore mm-hmm. was probably looking to find something. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest thing I had was I remember we were at like a school trip on like the beach or something, like the, the one of those uh, science camps or whatever out in the redwoods, and yep. we were at the beach and we were just running around the beach. And I remember seeing like it was almost dark, so. You know, very, very, the sky was very almost black, but still slightly blue from the sun, way far away, whatever. And I saw, we were all running around, and I saw, like, a person thing, an uh, alien, Eric. It was an alien. Um, 
it had long long arms and legs that were way longer than they humanly should be running down the beach yeah and i was like ah and i freaked out and ran but that was probably <laughs> just a human with normal size arms and legs that i just thought looked weird in that particular time that's the closest i have it's not terribly exciting yeah so there there was an episode of x-files that um they literally said in there which is something i completely agree with the scariest things on this planet are are, are humans and what they do and what they do to each other yep. um it, it really is but and I've told the story of like, um, I think I've told the story on the show of Dyer's Lane already, but um, so I'm not going to repeat that one. But um, there have been some scary things, but none of them were like supernatural things. But I do want to say one, one stupid story. Me and my older sister, uh, when we were really young, we went to a bookstore and we found this really thick book and it was leather bound. Yes. And it said, the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology. <laughs> and Crazy. me and my sister looked at that and we were like, oh, we got to get this. And it was like a buck. Really? So, so we asked my, my mom and dad if we could get it. And they said yes. And so we brought it <laughs> home. And um, it was leather bound, had like engraved, gold engraved stuff on the cover and stuff. And you open it up and yeah, it was like just an encyclopedia of everything witchcraft and demonology related. And we sat up one night and read a bunch of it. And then we could not go to sleep because we were freaked out and scared. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so my dad came in and took the book and I never saw it again. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's fun. Yeah. We still have a couple more quick questions, but first I have one more scary thing to tell you about. Please. And what's scary is how low the prices are over at RetroRewind.ca. Damn, that is scary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Eric, it's -hmm. been a while. I mean, this is a go-to store for anything for your Commodore computers or your Tandy Coco color computer, but uh, there are some new releases that we need to talk about. What? It's been a while since we've seen something new pop up here. Not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying they have tried and true items you must buy. But now, if you are looking for some updated kernels for your computers, Mm -hmm. you can get Jiffy DOS pre, um, excuse me, pre-flashed ROMs for your C16, your C116, your Plus 4. You can get Jiffy DOS for your VIC-20. You can get Jiffy DOS for your Commodore 64. Yeah. And uh, they even have the special one, which is actually double the price, I tell you, for the SX64. So if you want Jiffy DOS on your SX64, which you have one, my friend. I do. You can do get the one. kernel ROMs right from our friend RetroRewind.ca. And guess what? $8 a piece. I mean, come on. And that's ridiculous. That's cheaper than... Because I, I bought this a long time ago for my regular Commodore 128. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, I'll son. tell you what. It was way more than that. Uh, it, it was way more than that. So this is awesome. I $8 was, a piece. Yeah. So the SX64 version is 16. It must be a, a, a different uh, size chip or something a little different. I don't know. But there you go. So if you want one of those, throw it on your order. And while you're there, grab some other cool stuff from Frank at RetroRewind.ca. Everything from diagnostic harnesses, Amiga OS for your Amiga, um, modems for your computers, all kinds of crazy devices, anything you need to spiff up or enhance your Commodore computers or Tandy Color computers, you can hop on down to RetroRewind.ca 
and uh, tell them Cody and Eric sent you. And how would you do something like that, Eric? You would log in to the website first. So you set up an account, log in, and then go to retrorewind.ca slash pixelguiden. And then when you made a big fat cart and you have all your goodies in there. All your kernels for $8 each. Exactly. You pop in the code PG10 and get an additional 10% off. That's crazy. So for 10% off your order, use PG10, as in Pixel and Guide N10, to save 10% off your order. And we want to thank our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca, for sponsoring Pixel Guide N. All right. Well, how about, what does Pajaco have to ask? Pajaco6502, his question is, what is the game you've owned for the longest time without ever playing it? And how long ago did you reckon you bought it? I reckon I like it. Thanks, Pajaka. I know. Um, I think. Well, you're, I'm sure we're both in the same boat here. So, if if we're being you know technical or whatever, there's all kinds of games I own that I've never played. Um, and a lot of them came in lots or blah blah blah. But so I, I actually took a little time ahead of time to look at my shelf and try to find one that probably best fits the mold that I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. And I will say. This was definitely before we started the show, and this is before I started, before I kind of stopped collecting actual games themselves and just got Evercarts, Everdrives. Yeah. Um, I bought a complete and boxed copy of Mutant League Football for my Sega oh, Genesis. For the Genesis, yeah, that's a good one. Staying with the Halloween theme, too, by the way. Because uh, you've got, like, the marauders and skeletons and orcs and stuff that are playing football and hacking each other up and leaving bloodstains on the field. Uh, I thought it was the coolest concept. It looked really cool. Just never got around just actually plugging it in. I think I plugged it in just to make sure it worked because I got it off eBay. Um, but I never, I've never played a game on it. I don't know how it plays. I don't know if it's fun. It looks fun. I think it's based off of the Joe Montana Sports Talk Football engine, hmm. which was a great engine. Yeah. Um, so it probably plays well, but I've just never taken the time to do it. So I'm going to go with Mutant League Football. Nice. How long ago would you say you bought that? That's probably 11 years now. Woo. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Spicy All right. So I brought, oh. I brought two examples here, and I brought them in here to show you. Ooh. I like the cut of One, your jib. Ooh. <laughs> a little throwback, little throwback Eric action there. This is one that breaks my heart because I, I want to play it and I just can never find the time to sit down and play such an intense game. And I waited a long time for this and it was pricey. It is Pierre Solar or Solar. Oh, I was always jealous when I saw that you got that. Yep. And this one is the Genesis Mega Drive version. They have a lot of different versions out, out now. Um, it's a 64 meg high density cartridge. It has the manual. It has um, the stickers in it. It, it's all good to go, original, ready to rock. And I just never found the time. To, and I, I did that. I think it. I don't think it was a Kickstarter, but I think it was like a pre-order. And I pre-ordered it, and then it got delayed and delayed. And mm-hmm. that thing almost never came out. And then when it finally did, I was so excited. And then like I just so busy, have no time to play a game like an RPG that would take the time for that so that's that's one and that was probably a good i don't know how long ago that was that was probably about 10 years ago i think yeah that'd be a similar time it's like when i first met you and i came to your house for the first time i saw that i'm like no way and you're all (laughs) yes way that's right 
and I'm going to play it. And I never did. Yeah. Um, then the other one is a Commodore Vic 20 game, uh, called realms of quest five. You've never plugged that in, huh? I never, I nope. It's got feelies oh, that, in it's it. It's a disc, They're, right? That's a disc based game. It's a disc based game. It's got a cloth map like Ultima. It's got a coin in here. That is the realms of quest five coin. Um, it, it, I, it, it gives me all that good feeling like Ultima. Um, and I guarantee you there's a skeleton games. in there. There's got to be a skeleton in there. I'm sure there is. Uh, Yeah, there is. There's a picture of one right there in the boom. There you go. Skeleton. But um, it's another, again, it's an RPG. So it falls victim to the, I have no time for RPGs. Um, But I do someday, maybe in retirement, maybe I'll play this. (laughs) Um, This came out in 2019, double by double sided games. So how long ago is that? If I'm doing my core math correctly, that's a good four or five years ago. There you go. So realms of quest five, right. I, I, I have like you, I have games that I bought and never played, like never plugged them in, but I wanted to pick ones that, that hurt me every, every time I look at them, they hurt me inside. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. Uh, we got one last one here, which we're kind of going to get to. We're also kind of not here though. Right. From 48 right, K Ram. Right. Yep. So, 48 K Ram and he t- he said he was half joking when he put this on there. So, but he says, "Are you really into collecting minis if you don't have this?" Ooh. And he sent sent us a link to something that we're going to talk about on in the news. So maybe we should just wait and I, reveal. I think we're that just going to wait and we're going to talk about whether we're actually into collecting minis or not. Exactly. It is something where the URL ends in the word mini. That's the only hint I got right here, right now. That's right. Um, the rest of our quick questions we'll get to next episode, October 30th, if you want to hear us talk about more Halloween-based things. Um, awesome. Actually, I'm reading them real quick. Nope, they're not Halloween. <laughs> but maybe we'll make them Halloween somehow. Um, Eric, I think it's time for us to go ahead and let everyone know how they can get a hold of us. Hey there, it's Tim. And I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we've said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim. The best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more, and we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric, or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X, and that's at oddball49, that's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon, and you can get Eric on Twitter at project. that's d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t, and at Mastodon is at project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N, at oldbytes.space. 
If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review and also for any of the other podcast catchers that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we'd like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. From all of us here at Pixel Guide Dan, Eric, Nelson, Cody, Hoffman, and our boy Tam, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. David Mona Lack, the girly think he's kinda cute. Scott Martin looks distinct, Matthew Ackerman's astute. Henrik Lowell's delectable, although he ain't edible. They say Josh belongs grab, but I think he's quite astute too. We got the elegant Dan James, who's not enchanting like 10 minute a meter retrocast, or Eric Sandgrave, Primrose. Whatever the heck that means, I'd rather be punctual like my boy Mache says now ski. Here at Pixel God Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tam, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. Paradroid's elated, Mitsuyama's envious, and the games we play, David Vincent is a mess. It just goes to say that your mainstay isn't always the right way when you're living like Ann Stiller is. Steve Rasmussen can be a bit expensive. Mr. Toast is brainy, Jason H is apprehensive. Grandma K. Rama K is busy, not breakable, like Brian Arsenal. Right, like David Cavallari, and honorable, that's why he wears a monocle. It's possible that the crowded Mark Richardson can listen with the blessing of Paul Jacobson and the condemned man named Adam from the Commodore Chronicles. Here at Pixel Gat Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tam, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. From all of us here at Pixel Gat Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tam We send a warm thanks to all our patrons We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends It's October 2023, and this is Eric's take for this month. This month, I've decided to talk about my Famicom journey, um, all things Famicom related that I've done in the last uh, several months. Uh, I'll tell you about my appreciation for this system and what I've had to do to mine to get it to work and how I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, Take. I, I've been toying with different ways to do Eric's takes, like uh, heavily scripted versions or uh, off-the-cuff ones. And I think I really enjoy kind of doing the one-take um, semi-organized version. So, I mean, I, ha- I have a rough outline of what I'm going to talk about, but I'm not going to stop this recording unless something drastic happens. I'm just going to keep talking, fumbles and all. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but here I go. So let's talk about uh, the original Nintendo that was sold in the United States where I live. Uh, the original Nintendo Entertainment System when I was growing up. Um, I did not know a single kid that owned one. And I know that's very weird. Um, I've talked to many friends and they all agree that they either had one or knew someone who had one. I didn't. All the people that I knew had Ataris, uh, whether it was the 2600, 5200, whatever. I knew one kid that had a Sega Master System. 
Um, I knew kids that had Commodore 64s and Amigas and uh, even Atari computers. Um, but I didn't know a single person who had a, a Nintendo Entertainment System. So the very first one I had was roughly, oh, I guess it was a little over 10 years ago. I was on Twitter. I had started my kind of retro revival and I started uh, collecting again, I, you know, Commodore 64, Sega Genesis, a bunch of systems that I never was able to have as a, as a younger person. I just started going crazy, buying everything I could. And luckily, this started for me now, this started about 15 years ago. And prices were cheap back then. I remember getting two Commodore 64s for 20 bucks on Goodwill. Uh, I remember my first Sega Genesis I bought was only about 15 bucks. Um, I, w I was scoring stuff left and right. Um, and I also started learning how to repair uh, broken things. And, and it was a great time. Uh, prices started escalating really quickly. So I think it was about somewhere between 10 and 12 years ago. A friend of mine on Twitter was like, hey, I'm selling mine complete in box, comes with the controllers, the zapper, um, the original Nintendo Entertainment System. And so I bought it from him and I don't remember how much I paid. Um, wasn't very much. Uh, I got it and it worked perfectly right out of the gate. Well, I don't want to say perfectly. I did have to change the the cartridge connector that's in there, which um, a lot of people have to do that because it doesn't make good contact or that gets really grubby. And so you change the connector in there and you're good to go. But otherwise, this thing worked brilliantly. Um, and I started buying cartridges for it. And I went to a local um, video game store, retro video game store way back then called Fair Game. And since then, that place has changed management a couple of times. But back then, I bought something like 20 cartridges and I remember paying less than 50 bucks. I think it was 40 bucks. And some of these cartridges were nowadays, I could sell one of these and make up the whole price of that lot that I got. And I still have that lot. It's in a drawer. I don't play the originals anymore because I did quickly get an EverDrive uh, for the N Nintendo as soon as it was available from Cricks. Um, by the way, he makes excellent EverDrives. If you have any machines that, that need it, I have, I think, every one that he produces um, for all my different systems. But anyway, I got the EverDrive and I was off to the races. I was playing everything. And um, really, when I started the show here, I, I was really opened my mind to all the different games. I know Cody, it is Cody's favorite system by far. Uh, and He's recommended some real great games, um, and I've really embraced the Nintendo and uh, even gone so far as to beat uh, one of the Mega Mans not that long ago that I covered on the show. Um, just a great, great console. I love it. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, so anyway, years go on, years go on, and I remember when I was going to record the podcast over at Cody's house, he showed me his original... Famicom. He had an original Famicom, which the Famicom is the Japanese version of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Or I really should say that in reverse. The Famicom came out first, short for family computer. It was a small little console, much smaller than the original Nintendo. And then when Japan released it here, um, the rumor has it, I don't know if this is true, but this, I've heard this on multiple podcasts. I've seen it in articles, is that Nintendo in Japan did not think that a small 
console, a small sized console would succeed here. So when they released it here, it was much bigger than the Famicom. Uh, the controllers were the same size, all the peripherals and all that, but the original, the original console was um, much larger and much more um, pedestrian. It was gray and white. It had a little flip-top thing, looked like a VCR kind of, a little flip-top drawer that opened up and you, press, you put the cartridge in, you pushed down to snap the cartridge in. Um, it was much different than the Famicom. Um, when I first saw the Famicom over at Cody's, I'm sure I had seen pictures of it before in magazines and stuff like that, but I never seen one in person. Cody's wasn't working. Cody's was, um, he, I think, got one that was broken and he used it as a, pretty much a fancy Raspberry Pi case. He put a Raspberry Pi in there and basically used that um, as a multi-system console that was just wrapped around a Famicom case, but I looked at it. I loved it. Um, if you haven't seen a Famicom, uh, it is, they come in better colors like red and gold or red and white. Um, the controllers are actually attached to, uh, the console and I'll cover that later on. I'm going to cover that when I wrap this segment up about what I like and what I shouldn't, um, about the Famicom. But, the controllers, there's little caddies that they slide into, so they sit on each side of the Famicom in these little compartments. The controller basically looks like a regular Nintendo controller, two buttons, uh, some two main game buttons, a D-pad on the left, and two select and start, uh, and it's square. It's just like the original Nintendo controller, but one cool thing is it has a little microphone on it, and I came to learn that there were several games that took advantage of the little microphone Um I'm not going to cover them here because I'm really not going to go too much in the games on the Famicom, but um, I I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I kind of had a, a little planted a seed in my mind that, hey, if I ever found one of these, I'll get it. I already have a Nintendo, so I'm not going to go out of my way to find to get one. But if I ever come across one, I'll pick one up. So <sighs> I took a sip of coffee there. Um, so several years later... I go into my local um, retro gaming shop here, and I know the owner. Um, The place is Legacy Toys and Games. I don't think he'd mind if I said it at all. We've mentioned it so many times on the show. Um, The owner there is named Glenn, and he he basically he knows that when I go in there, I'm looking for like the weird stuff, stuff in the back, stuff that's not out for sale, even if it's broken. I don't care, whatever. So he brings out a Famicom. Uh, and out from the outside, it looks in great shape. Everything seems to work. But he told me right off the bat, doesn't work. Uh, doesn't know why it doesn't work. Um, but he was going to sell it to me. I, I, he basically said, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. So, boom, I did it. For 20 bucks, I have a little Famicom, doesn't work. Um, I... When I looked at the board, I found... I almost immediately found the problem. The problem is... is and. There's a common problem with Famicoms if you have one here in the U.S. They are very finicky about the power supply. You cannot use a Nintendo one, and that's what it looked like it happened to me. They have the same barrel connector that the Nintendo has, but um, they it, it basically the Nintendo one is AC, and the Famicom needs a DC controller. If you plug a NES one in, it's going to blow out several things on the Famicom. And sure enough, when I was doing my diagnostics on there... 
I found that it had blown out a couple components. Um, not going to get too much into the repair, but I did repair it and it did work. But a couple things. The composite video didn't, or, or it wasn't even composite. I think it was RF. It did not look good. Just didn't look good. Um, and then the second thing is I wanted to make sure that what happened to this original Famicom never happened again. And when I did my research, um, I actually found a uh, segment we did on our own show, on Pixel Guiden, about this thing called a power vamp. And the power vamp replaces inside the Famicom. There are two circuit boards. There's the main one with all the main chips on it and everything. And then there's the power supply and video output board. It's a separate board that is just attached by ribbon cables. So there is this thing that is a direct replacement for that board called the power vamp. And it does two things, two main things. It gives you beautiful composite out. And it also gives you a wider range of uh, power supplies to use. You can use one, you can reverse the polarity on it. As long as the voltages are very similar, you can use it. So there's no, you still don't want to use a Nintendo one, but it, you can use a wide variety of different ones, including Genesis adapters, or um, there's another one I can't remember right now, but basically a much wider range. So uh, I grabbed the power vamp and about, 10 solder points later, it's real easy because you're just disconnecting those ribbons um, and a couple other little power wires. Um, boom, power vamp goes in, beautiful video, wonderful power. Um, everything was fantastic. So did that. So now I got this, um, I got this uh, Famicom and I literally have nothing to play on it because it does not take the same cartridges as the Nintendo. So I think at the same time I ordered the power vamp, I grabbed, um, I tried to get an EverDrive, but this was the time, I think it was in COVID, during the COVID era, and I could not get an EverDrive. There's a Famicom version of the EverDrive, could not find it. Um, th there are some cheap knockoff uh, EverDrive type deals, but I decided I wasn't going to do that because I'm pretty loyal to Cricks. Um so I went, I did go and grab like a, for cheap, I think it was on Etsy. I grabbed a 501 cart. Um, basically, it's just these little, you know, cartridges that have 500 games on them. Um, I got it and it worked great. Um, the, you know, they're not, they're not great little cartridges. There's a lot of duplicates on there. So that doesn't really have 500 games. Um, there's a lot of duplicates, some with their Japanese names, some with American names, some slight different revisions, et cetera, et cetera. They're, it's not a fantastic cartridge by any means. It's lacking a lot of games on it. Um, but I will say the games that work on there work great, and it gave me a lot to do on there, and I played a ton of games for the show, for myself, um, a lot of games. Um, and then Tim, just not that long ago, was it like... I think it was two months ago, sent me a little care package, sent Cody and I both a care package. But in here, I got four original um, cartridges. I have uh, Super Mario 3. I'm looking at them right here. And by the way, the cartridges are nice. Um, they're a lot different than the original Nintendo. They're much smaller. They're kind of chunky. They remind me a little bit of VIC-20 cartridges, but much smaller, like maybe twice as small. Um, but cool. They're very cool. Uh, so he gave me Super Mario 3. The Goonies, 
Zoids, which it's a fun game, and Load Runner, which I think most people would think that was boring, but I love Load Runner. I grew up with Load Runner on the Commodore 64, played it to death on the apples at school. Um, love Load Runner. So there it is. And it's Championship Load Runner, I should say. So he gave me those four cartridges. So now I got a little library going with the Famicom and uh, loved it. So anyway, it was about that time I started thinking, well, they do sell these adapters that adapt um, Famicom games to the Nintendo and vice versa. So why don't I try one of these adapters? So I went and grabbed an adapter and I tried to get my EverDrive to work with it. And no matter what, I, I went online and there were people that actually made it work. So I don't know what was wrong with that. Um, the adapter did work with other cartridges, but for my EverDrive, it just didn't work. And I really don't know why. Just don't know why. I was reading on there. Sometimes you have to flash different firmware on your EverDrive. Um, sometimes you have to do this. Sometimes you have to do that. I don't know. Couldn't get it to work. Uh, I was just trying to save a little money there, but I decided, you know what? It's past COVID. Now, this was just literally two weeks ago. Boom. I went on eBay and I found an original Famicom EverDrive. And the reason I say original is he's come out with pro versions now that offer different features. Um, I, I don't honestly know what the what the features are, but I don't really care. My original Nintendo one uh, EverDrive is an original one, and I never saw really need to upgrade it. It plays all the games that probably that I'm going to want to play. Um, but I went online and got it. It's the yellow cartridge. It is an official Famicom EverDrive from Crix. Um, you have to go to his website and download some of these little um, system files or OS files. Uh, for the EverDrive, you put them in the root directory and you're off to the races. I went and uh, downloaded a big ROM library of Famicom games, um, put them on there, and I did get an error right away. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're trying to get this to work, um, you basically, it can only take so many games in the root directory. So I just made four subdirectories like A through G and blah, 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 you know, just alphabetical or made, you know, alphabetical organization and it, then it worked just fine. Um, so I've been enjoying some games that I was just, was not on my 501, um, and really, really enjoying it. Um, and, and so I'm going to wrap this up by saying, I, I want to really cover why I'm really making this. I love the Famicom. I don't know why it's, it's smaller. Um, it's much smaller. It's cooler looking, I think, than the original Nintendo. Um, it basically is this console. It's got two buttons on the front, like a reset button. Um, it's got a power slider. And then it has this big, big, like, slider that ejects the cartridge. The cartridge does not have, um, there's no door or anything. It just pops into the, to the top. And I really like that. You can see what cartridge is in there. Um, I think it's better than the original Nintendo, honestly, the the system they got going on. Again, it's much smaller. Look up a picture of it. I think it's so cool. Um, the two controllers are right there, uh, and the controllers feel good. They're just kind of like the original Nintendo controllers. Um, all the ports are in the back. Uh, it, it, it's It's just, I just love it. And the games, the original Japanese games, a lot of them are just fantastic. It's got a great library, wonderful console. Some of the downsides, though, for the Famicom, um, the controllers, the cables are very short, so you have to be real close to the console. 
That's a bummer. Um, you can get, I've seen controllers, you can buy replacement controllers that have longer cords, but here's the deal. The controllers are, they're not hardwired into the console, but they're not removable. So meaning that a cord comes out of your controller, goes into the console through these little holes in the back with rubber grommets on there. And then they plug it right into the motherboard using a little connector, but you can't, you, to remove the controller, you have to open up the whole console and remove it, remove the connector. So as a little kid, I mean, I think the removable controllers on the original Nintendo are such a good idea because you thrash your controller or it breaks, you can just go buy a new one, plug it right in, you're good to go. The Famicom is going to require you to open the whole console up and replace it. It's not that big of a deal, but as a kid, if you had one of these, that would have ruined my day. Um, you know, I would have had to go get help from somebody to probably open that up and try to figure that out. Um, from the outside, it looks like those controllers are hardwired in. Um, but the But the cable lengths are very small and I've left mine the way it is. I don't mind. I just pull the console up, you know, in my lap if I'm sitting down or if I'm at a desk, it's really not a big deal. But that's one thing to to concern about. Another thing is all the power requirements. You got to make sure you have the exact right power supply for your Famicom because if you imported one in, you you may not have the actual power supply. Uh, I didn't get the power supply with mine when I got it from from uh, the little shop here in town. So I had to do some research, and clearly someone didn't and blew that one up. Um, so got to be aware on that. Uh, but otherwise, I love the Famicom, and I'm really glad I, I, I got into it. So if you have any questions about the Famicom or, or looking to buy one or whatever, let me know. I'll answer any questions I can. Um, and otherwise, thank you for listening. It's fall. It's finally fall here. The leaves are starting to drop. The weather's cooling down. Um, grab yourself a nice little Oktoberfest beer, have it on me, and uh, thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate it. I'll see you next month. That's right, it's time for us to catch up with the latest and greatest that the world of retro gaming has to offer. Time for the news, Eric. Excellent. First one's on me. Um, This first one comes from timeextension.com, as well as the rest of the web. Like, everyone's talking about this, so we're starting with the biggest news first. Anybody listen to this, it's no longer news, people know about it, but we gotta talk about it, Eric, and get your take on the fact that the new, the first in like five years, Raspberry Pi is being released. The Raspberry Pi 5. Yeah. Launching I, next it, month. COVID destroyed the Raspberry Pi 4. Like I remember it was so hard to find uh, due to COVID. Like, cause I was going to, I contemplated getting one uh, to upgrade a couple of things I have running on Raspberry Pi 3s. And I could never find one cheap, so I just kind of leapfrogged it. I, I I have one. I finally got when I built that uh, Callisto like uh, retro looking computer thing. Uh, but they were so expensive and so hard to find. I just never. I only got one. So uh, the only one I have is the best Raspberry Pi ever made, the Raspberry Pi four hundred. 
Yes. Which I, yes, which is basically for those who don't know at this point is the Raspberry Pi four. Yeah. Included in a pre-made keyboard where you just plug in your own HDMI cable power or whatever. And now you've got a computer. It's right. the coolest. Um, unless you've been living under a rock the last 10 years, you know what a Raspberry Pi is, but basically it's a small computer, uh, that does all kinds of cool stuff. It's one little chip, one little board originally released for, I think it was $20. It was a $20 computer. Yeah. Uh, although in reality it was a $60 computer because yeah, you got the computer, but now you have to get a keyboard. Now you have to get a mouse. Now you got to get a power supply. Now you get, you're about 60 bucks out the door for a working computer, plugging into some sort of TV you have. Anyways, they keep getting stronger and stronger. You can use them in industrial applications on robots, anything you want, security systems. You can do all kinds of stuff, but we're retro gamers. We like to emulate other systems using our Raspberry Pis. So, Eric, you would know more than I would about the Raspberry Pi 5, and I've got the details up here, so maybe you can talk us through what's new with this newest Pi. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it basically is the same form factor. It's about the size of a credit card. Uh, this one has a 2.4 gigahertz quad core 64 bit ARM chip, which is much better than the other one. I remember my Raspberry, my, my Raspberry Pi three, I think had 800 megahertz. Um, and I think you could overclock the four to something like, I don't remember, but I overclocked, but this is much, much faster. So the, this is going to be able to play games that the other one couldn't do before. So probably the next generation, maybe Dreamcast games, stuff like that. Um, it's got its own GPU on board, a video core seven GPU, uh, which supports OpenGL. So that's going to be a big deal. Here's where I get really um, excited. This next one. Yeah. The dual dual 4k. That means, two. that means two. That means two in Spanish. 4k P60 HDMI display output. Um, it's got Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth. It's got all the same things the other ones have too, but, um, it's just more better. It's more better. There's two big things for me, or th- three big things. And we could yeah. talk about all the stuff it does and more USB ports, faster USB ports, all this stuff. Three things. So I was going to say three things about this for somebody who has no idea what this is, including myself. Yeah. One, it's twice as fast as Raspberry Pi 4, which is already crazy faster than the ones I typically have in my arcade machines, which are twos and threes. Yep. So I can play more stuff. Two, it's got two monitor support so i we can now play and theoretically stuff like nintendo ds games true which have two screens or theoretically things like the darius arcade machines which use two screens side by side to make an extra long screen yeah you can do more stuff with this um and three and maybe the most important important eric what's the very last spec on this right here yeah, I meant to mention that it is <laughs> pa- has a power button. A power button. Mind blown. Hold on. Yep. There's a there's a give one of those and one of those. Whoa. Yep. So that's pretty crazy because yeah, it, they they let infamously I should say infamously did not have a power button. You had to just unplug it. So you had to do a shutdown. So you'd gracefully bring down your raspberry pi because obviously your operating system runs on there and you don't want to corrupt the operating system so you'd always have to rig some kind of third-party power button up that would trigger a script to shut the thing down gracefully um it was a big pain in the butt even to this day my main cabinet i still have to go through the menus to do a graceful shutdown instead of just unplugging it i just unplug it 
Yeah, but I'm worried. Uh, just one day it's going to be corrupt, and then I'm I, I'm going to be too lazy to rebuild it. <laughs> <laughs> just make a backup. Just just duplicate that uh, SD card. Yeah, I need to do that. So here's here's the downside, and you knew yeah. this was coming, but it's the most expensive Raspberry Pi to date. Of course, um, the standard four gigabyte version is sixty dollars, whereas oh. the eight gigabyte model will be eighty dollars. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> So I don't. I mean, I don't know how much the threes and fours are now, or even if they make the twos anymore. I don't know, um, but I'd assume that inflation has made those go up as well. Yeah. So and naturally, those things are going to go up. I mean, I well, remember tech, when a Carl's. Tech, I remember tech. when a Western bacon cheeseburger combo meal was five dollars and something cents. Now it's like fifteen. You say that, but old tech historically yeah. goes down. That's true. You buy a, a laptop right now, in theory. Next year, or the year after that, it'll have dropped fifty percent. Yeah, if they're still making it. So True. this would, in theory, go along with that, but it's a little different case because they can't make these fast enough to make people not want more than they have. Right. So Raspberry Pi Five, I'm excited. Do you have any any projects in mind for this, or are you just kind of like, cool? I just want one. I'll figure it out later. Well, my my main my main main cabinet, my old one, you know the one. Um, it's oh, still running out. It's run an old classic Raspberry Pi three in it, and it's it does all the things I want. So I've I've threatened to upgrade that so many times over the years, and I just I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I would love to get the dual screen interests me. That might be a fun project to do. Um, the world's largest imagine, Nintendo DS. The world's largest Nintendo DS, or you could do like those old school arcade cabinets that had the screen up on top so people could see you play. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of neat things you can do with it. Um, who knows? I don't know. I might do something boring with it, like make a a big Plex server out of it for watching movies and stuff. Who knows? Wow, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, my, my that's where my mind goes to, and it's the same thing I said about the four, but I never got a four. I got the four hundred, but not the four, which is I have two arcade machines. One of them is horizontal, and it yeah. plays all the horizontal stuff great, as well as vertical stuff, but it has to shrink the screen or whatever. So I also have an arcade machine that's a vertical-mounted screen for, like, shooters and things that are vertical. And the thing is, to get that thing to rotate and go vertical taxes the heck out of the Raspberry Pi, where it can't really play games past, like, 91. Okay. This so there's all these game. great Japanese games from, like, 92 to, like, 2008. Yeah. And other games that just want to play vertical, but to make the emulator rotate takes up so much time and memory and effort, whatever resources that smashing past into a four and now into a five, I'm, I would hope that it can do that. Yep. <laughs> so the only downside is you will have to rebuild it because the operating system will not, you can't just move the SD card over to it. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. So. And, uh, and they're going to have to recreate all the emulation station and everything for the for the five, and you know it's going to be a few months before everyone gets everything on it. So that's right. I'm not in but a it'll rush. It'll be worth it. I mean, this is pretty awesome. Very cool. Always excited to see a new Raspberry Pi. Yep. So mine is Hidden Gems Volume One brings four classic Commodore 64 games to the Switch. And it says um, tomorrow, I, depending on when you put this in our notes. Yeah, I put it in a while ago. So, so it's, it's out. Probably, it's, it's out. It's out, baby. Um, this is, uh, 
Now, the thing is, it says brings cl- these classic games to life, right? <laughs> um, yeah, which classic games, Eric? So I was happy that I, when I read this, I was like, classic Commodore 64 games, awesome. And the games are The Return of Nomad, Gilligan's Gold, Mutant Monty, and Horace Goes Skiing. They are, it does say hidden gems. I mean, let's be fair. Right. Now, I, and it's true. I, I would want to play these to just see if they're really good or not. Um, but I played Horace Go Skiing, and it's a, it's a fun little game. Um, Horace Go Skiing, I can never get past the road to go skiing. Oh, really? <laughs> I just I can never figure it out. I played it like four times in a row, and I just gave up. I'm like, I want to ski. I don't want to try to cross a road. Yeah. Let me put it this way. These aren't the four the four games I would have put on a <laughs> Commodore 64 Classic. First of all, Horse Go Skiing is more... I know it much more from a ZX Spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I, I don't really care. I never played this on my Commodore 64 when I was a kid because it was a ZX Spectrum game. Um, it's just weird. It's a weird selection of games. I don't want to say anything bad about these. Maybe they're fun. I haven't played these, but... When you look at them, the graphics are kind of rudimentary. I mean, the Commodore 64 can do way better than they this. They look like Spectrum games. Like the Commodore, yeah. like they chose Spectrum games emulated on a Commodore. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird choice. It is a weird choice. Um, I would have preferred something a little more grandiose for its introduction on the, on the Switch. You're giving the Commodore uh, a bad name to people who are just learning about it. Come on. Yeah, because people get this and they, you know, uh, okay, you know, they're going to move on. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being a Debbie Downer, but I, I when I looked at the games that were on this, I just thought, uh, I'm just going to pass on this. For what it's worth, it's yeah. volume one. Right. right. Volume one. Um, how much do you think this goes for on the eShop? Did you look at it yet? I did not look. I, I did don't, not look. I don't know either. Now I'm, now I'm very curious. What do you think is a reasonable price for this collection, Eric? Uh, a reasonable price or what I think they will charge. What is a reason? What is what you think you would charge if you were in charge of that? Four ninety nine. I was going to say yeah, bucket game three ninety nine plus dollar for convenient switch tax. Four ninety nine yeah. would probably be, and it still wouldn't be worth it just because the games aren't great. Well, they don't look to be great, but yeah. Um, we'll have to look it up. I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer for yeah, it. They, yeah, they didn't put that in there. Oh, here we go. Is- nope. Here it is. Six ninety nine. Okay. Well, unless, not too far off. Unless you're in Europe, in which it's uh, six uh, watches. That's that's got to be a pound. This is pounds. How, how does that work? It's that's a clearly the EU flag, okay. which would be euros, but it's got the pound symbol, not the euro symbol. Anyways, six ninety nine pounds is a lot more than six ninety nine US. So that's a worse deal than it is for the US. But I think so, yeah. That being said, people who are going to know these games are people in England, typically. So, anyways, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list, I wanted to point out a couple of new games coming out on the Commodore 64. Now, this new news article is kind of threefold. One, if you haven't heard of RetroGamerNation.com uh, and his amazing YouTube channel you need to be in your anacometer 64 fan you need to be checking there this is my number one place to check out what's com- what's come out what's coming out what is 
going on in the Commodore 64 scene, Retro Gamer Nation has got you on lock. Um, so check our show notes. You can go to his website or just YouTube, Retro Gamer Nation. He does a roundup every month, and it will. it's like a nice, concise, but but clear 12 minutes of here's everything that's happening in the scene. It's awesome. I call um, him RGN. RGN. RGN um, in the house. So there's a few games that he, he uh, highlighted here, and a couple of them are, are very interesting. So I'll, I'll go through them quickly. This is probably the biggest release, um, uh, in, in, at least in the last few months. It is coming out from Icon 64, uh, distributed by Cytronic Software, and it is Rocky & Co., I don't know if you've seen this one at all, but he actually does a full review on this on his website with a, a, a rating. Give it a good rating. Check it out yourself. $4.99 digital download. Looks to be worth every penny. I'm excited to give this one a shot. Um, I'm trying to find the actual link here so I can show you the, uh, the roundup. So you throw that, you throw that on, a, on a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, you got something. Well, that's true. That's very true. Um, I'll actually have to pull up the video here from this roundup because it's pretty darn impressive. Um, here we go. Sorry, we're waiting for uh, the advertisements as usual. Here you go, Rocky and Co. So I guess it's based off of... Um, it looks like Indiana Jones. It's based off of the um, Rocky Memphis games, which they released a few years back. But yeah. as- aside from the characters and the theme, it's a completely different game. Um, graphics are amazing, but it definitely gives you that like Indiana Jones in the jungle vibe with a you know, crazy, um, you know, you can see this little rock boulder entrance here with a carved into a face with a mouth for a door and, um, snakes wandering around. It kind of uses all the colors on the color palette for the Commodore 64. Hey, there's a skull. It could have been a skeleton game. Yeah. Uh, but the game is kind of like... It reminds me of, um, I want to say like Three Vikings or, not Three Vikings, what's it called? Yeah, Three Vikings. You've got Rocky and two buddies, and you basically select which character you're going to move, and it's a puzzle game, a puzzle platform, if you will. So, you know, these guys have different abilities, and you select one to move, and they go stand on this button over here, and then now you select another guy who can now walk through the door you just opened to do this. But it's really beautiful. Really well done. Great production values. Definitely one to look out for here. Um, it does stuff, especially the cutscenes that I, I just wouldn't imagine a Commodore 64 doing. So it's really impressive. Yeah, those little cutscenes look kind of like uh, um, like Maniac Mansion kind of deal. Like, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, they look pretty cool. I, they they look awesome. But the the game's not like Maniac Mansion. It's it's an action platformer puzzler, right? Puzzler. Yep. Yep. Controlling yeah. three characters at once. So if that's your bag, you will love that game, I think. Uh, that one is out now. The other one I wanted to mention, this one's free because it uses a franchise, whatever you call it, a licensed property. And it's very yeah. interesting because I've never played this game, but now I want to play it, and I want to play it on the Commodore 64. And it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Game Boy Adventure <laughs> ported. That's right, yeah. Cody's interested in a port on the Commodore 64. And it's cool because even the... Um, the Game Boy bezel is emulated on the screen. So you're looking yeah. at, the, at a Game Boy screen in the right colors. <clears throat> and you're playing that, I guess it's the Bill & Ted Game Boy game. Uh, they made some some adjustments to make it work better on a full screen. But I've never played this game, but it looks great. It's a little collect-em-up where you're 
Bill and or Ted. And there's uh, like in this particular level, because they go back in time, uh, your main enemies are Abraham Lincoln's, multiple of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a little platformer. You collect all the things. Once you collect all the things, the door opens and you leave the level. I love it. It's simple. It looks like it controls really well. And I've heard wonderful things about it. I did a little research onto the game and, and people love the Game Boy version. And now this Commodore version looks like an excellent way to do it. I'm yeah, going to give it a shot. There was another game. I don't remember what it was where they did the, did the Game Boy bezel and made the game and it looked fantastic. But Look at the look at the graphics. Look how the shading is done. Um, it, it, I mean, the little vines. How like I mean, they didn't just they didn't just throw this together. This looks like it's highly detailed. Looks as good as a Game Boy game if you shrunk it down, put it on a little screen. Well, it looks like it controls really well. And I oh, love yeah, it exactly. at the bottom now. You got Napoleon throwing his hat. <laughs> yep. It's um, it's cute, Eric. It's cute. Yeah, I like this. This looks really good. Yep, got to give that one a shot. And then the last one, there's plenty more to look at, so don't don't stop yourself here because, uh, again, there's there's plenty more to see. Um, how do I get away from the screen? Gosh darn it. There, that button? There we go. That worked. Uh, the last one I want to mention is a game that I think you might be talking about a little later. Yes. Yes, I will be. So maybe I'm we'll hold that. off for that, but it is a... Another game that was ported to the play to the PlayStation to the it was not a PlayStation game to the Commodore sixty four fighting game that Eric might be a big fan of. So we'll have to mm-hmm. find out later when Eric talks about it. I'll leave it yeah, at that. I mean, we should at least say. I mean, that's an episode away. Okay. We can at least say what the title is here. Okay, go for it. So then it is Street Fighter versus SNK, or I guess, I guess technically it's SNK versus Capcom. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yep, that's okay. SNK versus Capcom. Um, and this guy's been working on it for quite a while. It is free. You can just go download it because, again, it is based on a license that uh, so they can't make money off of it. Um, but it is very chibi-esque, you know, with little tiny characters. It's almost like the pocket, almost like a Neo Geo Pocket style game. Oh, it's ported from the Neo Geo. Well, not ported, but it's a remake of the Neo Geo Pocket game. Exactly. Yeah. Um and uh, I did play this, and I will be covering it on Catching Up. But it is, I mean, spoiler alert, it's, it, it's, it's awesome. The guy put so much effort into it. The cutscenes in between fights, the sounds, the music, the backgrounds, everything is top-notch in this. So we'll talk about it in Catching Up. Perfect. Yep. Uh, I also want to talk about this, and Eric, I know... I kind of hogged all the news. Actually, no, you threw some stuff in here. Oh, we got some news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there is a new Saturn Pro controller out from our friends at uh, Retrobit. Yes. And apparently this is the long-awaited Saturn Pro controller. Uh, it aims to be the only Saturn interface you'll ever need. Um, apparently it has it's a 2.4 gigahertz wireless controller. Um but also has, it's a Sat, Sega Saturn controller, mm-hmm. but with a little extra something, which you and I have been really enjoying lately, uh, Eric. Yeah. And so it's a Sega Saturn controller in the, um, the Japanese style. So it's got the six buttons on the, on the right. It's got the D-pad. It's got uh, the bumpers on the top, and, top left and right. But then it's also got two little analog sticks kind of in the middle bottom for playing modern games. And those analog sticks are the Hall Effect sticks which means very accurate and no ghosting what do you call it ghosting No ghosting or? and the less likelihood of drifting drifting there we go thank you yeah 
Um, $49.99, expected to launch before the end of the year. You can get it in either the American black or the Japanese white with the colored buttons. And it's got purple, the purple shoulder buttons. And it uh, looks like you can connect this thing to pretty much anything. So a switch, if you want to connect it to a yeah, whatever you darn so well this please. One, this one will do USB or 2.4 gigahertz for modern systems as well as it has a dongle for the actual Sega Saturn. And that would be Bluetooth at that point, right? Yep. Um, I'm going to tell you a reason why I'm going to get this, Cody. Okay. As, I, as if I need more reasons. Exactly. And I have so many controllers. I, I can't. I, I, I've got two giant tubs of controllers now. Um, but uh, a news article coming up, they just released the Sega Saturn core for the Mr. Oh, nice. And it, I've tested it a little bit today, and I'll cover that later on. But I don't have uh, – I have a six-button Sega Genesis controller, but it doesn't have the um, the pads on the top. So okay. I literally yep. – this would fit the bill for my Mr. Like I could plug this in and – be able to have a genuine controller as well as this one could play modern stuff. Cause it has the little, the two analog sticks on there too. So this looks awesome. I, 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 I can tell you there's a good chance I'm going to get this. I might be right there with you. Right on. Eric, how are you doing on your beer? Um, I am just about done. So I'm ready to move on whenever you are. How Seriously. About, how about you go ahead and cover some hot news? Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll th- see about pulling out a new beer. Oh well, this is the this is the one we've already kind of covered, so it's going to be quick. Okay. Eagerly awaited SNK versus Capcom for the Commodore sixty four gets an official release because this guy's. I will tell you this guy who's been working on this. I don't remember his name. Maybe it's in the article here. Um, I'll find it. it it, uh, yeah, I don't see his name. Uh, I've been told that John Eggleton and G. I'm going to screw his name up. Gianluca Alberico. I think I got that. Yeah, that's good. It. Um, has officially released the final version of this game because uh, they've been releasing little betas all the time and mm-hmm. people have been raving about the betas. Um, but it is out now. So you you really, whether you like fighting games or not, you should go get this. Again, the Commodore 64 is a one-button controller. So if you are not good at fighters, this simplifies it um, to a, con- man- a control scheme that maybe you can get behind. With that said, spoiler alert, when I talk about it, it's not an easy game right off the bat, but you can get better at it and you can adjust some settings to make it a little easier for you. But anyway, we'll get into that. Um, but man, this game, if this would have come out when I was you know, like <laughs> prime time Commodore 64, this would have blown my mind because they did release a street fighter uh, for the Commodore 64 and it was horrible. It's often said to be the worst game that ever came out for the Commodore 64. <laughs> There's a lot of games on the Commodore 64. There are, but the street fighter was the worst. Um, this one is fun and playable and everything about it is, is polished. The backgrounds, the sound, the music, everything looks it, amazing. It's just, I mean, look at this. I mean, for the Commodore 64, that is amazing, right? You wouldn't even call it muddy. Not even muddy. I would, you almost, almost call it vibrant. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> look um, at the casino no, stage. It, it pops. It does pop. 
But oh yeah, I mean it has like full screen like flashing when when there's like super moves and stuff. I mean, oh yeah, there's special effects going on here. It's awesome. This, I mean, I, I I did I I didn't get to play it a ton, but I played it enough to be awed by it. So and let's and let's be clear: if you're a Street Fighter fan, and or or if you're like me and you're just like, I don't need yet another version of Street Fighter that I'm not going to play. This yeah. is not Street Fighter. This is SNK versus Capcom. So it's the Street Fighter characters and the Capcom characters. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, Street Fighter characters and the SNK fighting characters playing this simplified chibi version that still takes a lot of strategy and uh practice and timing to get a hold of with one button and one joystick yep and it looks amazing so it's beautiful so i'm i'm very happy about this game and i'm i do plan on playing it in the future and oh by the way one 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 player two players so it could be a blast no what else is a blast opening another beer a fresh beer yes you Eric, pick me i i picked the first one all right, all right, all right. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's. Do you want to shift gears hard, or do you want to like sure, take let's, it? Let's go another ha- direction this episode. Why not? All right, we're gonna go with the Nordic Jam. All right, now Pop this, this is actually jam. a retro rewind, right? It is a retro rewind. So this is a beer we had probably our first or second year of Pixel Guide, and it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I remember us drinking it, and uh, it's jammy. It's jammy. It's called Nordic Jam. Uh, it's a lager with Nordic fruits, which I will only, I can only imagine which kind of fruits are spe- specifically Nordic. Yeah, it would be. It seems an odd climate to grow a lot of different types of fruits, but okay. Uh, from two pitchers brewing, five point two percent alcohol by volume, so a little lighter than the last one, and it's only a twelve ounce can, so a little smaller than the last one. Oh, that's true that's true i didn't even notice that but it does say we've packed this lager with cherries elderberries and strawberries you know nordic strawberries uh all staples <laughs> of a viking warrior's diet to create a downright delicious party in a can jam on friends skull which is swedish uh it's supposed to be refreshing tart and nordic fruit <laughs> yeah and so i guess this is in the bay area Oh, yeah, look at that. Established yep. in the Bay Area, which would be yep, San Francisco. San Carlos, California. There you go. All right. Eric, right on. I'm going to crack it's this open. It's got a cool Viking. Oh, wait. Cool I'm going to open it over my, over my trash can, just in case. Yeah, do that. Do that. <laughs> All right. We're good. I think the ones that have blown up are only the ones Tim sent, aren't they? <laughs> they have to come from the other side of the world to blow up. That's right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Woo. I'm curious to go back oh. and hear what we gave last time because. Yeah. Oh, my that, goodness. That tastes like. Down the street, we have uh, what they call it the, the farmhouse. Okay. And it's a little farm stand. But it's all farmhouse. Then they make their own breads and jams and grow vegetables and sell them at a little table. Yeah. And I feel like I just opened one of those jams and just drank the contents. Yeah. This one might have been. <laughs> Woo! Ooh. That's tart. Man, those, Ordic, those Nordic strawberries. Yeah, they're strong. <laughs> now, you actually pour yours out. 
I expect it to be bright pink, but it looks like a normal beer. No, it is. It looks like a normal beer. Uh, it's a little hazy. It's not see-through. There are bits in there, like little bits at the bottom. Little chunky bits. Yep. So. Um, oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it is shocking, and it is tart AF, as the kids say. And sweet AF. Yeah, you're Aquaf- right. Aquafresca. Um, but if I had to pick between this one or that double IPA, I'd pick this one. I would too, as a beverage. Not lie. As a beverage. <laughs> as a beverage, sure, sure. So thirteen out of All thirteen right. tombstones. Oh man. As a beverage, yeah, we're gonna have to rate this as because if we rate it as a beer, we gotta both admit that that's gonna be pretty low. It's not a beer. This thing, no. this thing tastes like a. Um, as a beer, I'll just say it's th- three out of thirteen tombstones, but. Whatever. Let's get past that. What I'm drinking, do I enjoy it? Out of 13, meaning uh, one of the best things ever. Yeah. I'm going to give this. It is tart. I think it's too sweet, Eric. It is too sweet. I'm going to give you that. It's too sweet. I'm giving it a six as well. Really? I'm going to give it a little more. I'm going to give it 7.25. All right. So it, it it makes me almost want to, and this would probably Barf? be weird. <laughs> yeah, vomit. No. Um, <laughs> like, take a standard lager, like a flavorful lager. Like a yeah. trout, what do you, a golden trout or a, yeah. one of those good lagers. Even, yeah. a, even a Danny Trejo Cerveza. Okay, okay. And just pour one and one into a glass. Yeah. Like, and just have like a lager. Yeah, thin it out with a, with a, tasty lager that has more beer flavor yeah pour like an 805 in there or you know what pour yeah you know you could make a really crazy nordic mexican by beer by putting some putting some dos equis in there and we'll call it like nordic cholo beer now we're on to something (laughs) now we're on exactly viking cholo dude write that down that's a million dollar idea That being said, I can drink it. I just, oh man, I, just, I can drink this. I will drink this. I just wish it was a little thinned out. The flavor is good, just too much I, of it. I agree with you. I agree no. with you. All right. Ooh. Um. Anyways, we're going back to the news. Yes. Um, Here we go. Forty-eight K Ram. Forty-eight K. Forty-eight K Ram. Oh, well, this is the one he was talking. You're about. right. We are on that one. All right. So here's the mini forty-eight K Ram uh, alluded to early. And we have it in our news. And if you are someone who enjoys or still accepts crowdfunding, which Eric and I are long out of that game because we've been, well, yes. luckily I haven't been too burned, but you've been burned. Um, yes. You can go ahead and put in to get one of the first Dance Dance Regilu- Revolution Classic Minis, which will be <laughs> yeah. released uh, in Japan first. I don't know if they're going to make them over here or not, but I know that the big thing, it was huge over here. It was even it was. bigger in Japan. It, oh, it was gigantic in Japan, but it, um, well, it was Godzilla-sized in Japan, if I may. Oh, if I may. you may. Um, but Don't judge. It was big here. I saw them in arcades all over the place. So I guess the company is called Ziyuki. Okay. And they're creating Dance Dance Revolution Classic Mini. Um, 
and they already have a full list of every track that will be featured on the machine, but it is quite literally, if you've ever seen one of these machines in a an actual arcade, which they're still around because this is the one of the machines that helped kill the original arcade, so I guess yes. there's that kind of part of me that hates it, but... Yeah, uh, you know it's got the big dance re- dance revolution sign on the top, and then it's got kind of an angled screen. Below that are two kind of I don't know if they were I think they were fake, but they were these gigantic speakers that looked like house stereo speakers um, with like lights on them that would flash and stuff. And then they'd have the big pads with the bars so that you could hold them behind your back or or, or like help yourself get up on the platform. Yeah, and it's not one but two dance pads, you know, side up, by side. Left, right, up, and down, or I don't know, what you call that? There's four directions, so four cardinal directions. Yep. And um, I haven't seen the video yet. I wanted to wait to watch it with you, Eric. I don't know if you've watched the video. I did not watch the video, nope. And it's exactly what I thought it was. It is a DDR machine where you use your fingers like your feet. And yeah, and I, wa- I, and I mentioned this in our Discord, like the the, the guy that used to be me, the guy that used to be into those little tiny skateboards that you yep. use with your fingers. <laughs> That's but it. That guy was looking at this and is kind of interested. <laughs> All right. I'm down. Um, I want to watch a video of it. I'm sorry. We got to watch a video. Yeah. See you see here, here it goes. It's a minute long video. It says, are you ready? And I'm not. Um, we're going to see Yep, This is the original. Like it looks like PlayStation one style graphics. I don't remember it looking yep. as old. You know, it's a rhythm game. You press the right button at the right time. And here's the machine. And are we going to see some fingers go crazy on it? Only time will tell, Eric. Da-da-da. Yeah, they're kind of doing that thing where they're just showing different parts of it. Um, I, oh, no. I, I just saw something I didn't know about, which is kind of cool. You can split the pads apart and take the bars off of it. So you can actually play these a lot easier than it looks. Yeah, yeah, because you can actually hold. I saw, I did see like someone holding one of those pads. Okay. Like a controller. Yeah. So you can, it's almost becomes like a game of Simon then, right? Like, like you just watch what's on the screen or like Guitar Hero, but imagine you have a, a controller in your hand and can use your thumbs to, to click on the button. It'd be like Simon if Simon went. Exactly. So, yeah, and it gives a list of some of the songs, which, of course, I don't recognize any of these. I guess there's some si- Silent Hills on here. <laughs> Song from the game Silent Hill, I, I assume. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I don't really recognize it. But they all sound like... Exactly. And uh, and we never we saw one picture where they show their fingers touching them. But um, it, if it's as big as they make it look there, it's actually quite large. Yeah. Um. Like your your full palm wouldn't cover the entire dance pad if that is unless that's just like the smallest woman in the world and her hand, <laughs> yeah. which could it be because be. they're trying to make it big. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there we go. DDR. Eric, do you need this in your life? And are you a collector of all minis? To answer forty eight k forty eight k Rams question. I did want to tell you something that might be a game changer for you. I did hear that you could plug in an actual full-size pad like one of those vinyl ones that you put on the ground like those for the ps2 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there might be i think it might be a stretch goal or they might come up later a full-size pad that you use with your feet that you would plug into that now i don't know if this has hdmi out because you would need that um because you can't look at a tiny little screen and use your feet to oh go of course on a big not pad. yeah but would that sway you at all 
So to recap, Eric, you're asking me yeah. yes. if buying a full-size dance pad yeah. and doing lots of physical movement mm-hmm, mm-hmm, repeatedly, mm-hmm. making my yes, heart yes. race mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to do something that would ordinarily be a greatly enjoyable sedimentary task yes. would be something that would make me pay a lot of money. Correct. No, it would not, Eric. Aww. <laughs> At that if point, wanna, I'd just buy the pad and plug it into my PS2. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, you know. I went on a hunt for one of those pads like early on in my in, in my retro life, my retro revival. I, I, I went on like Goodwill and I'd find those pads all the time and they were pretty cheap. But the then I'd shipping, read, though. I'd read the shipping and then I'd read reviews on them and they would be like, oh, these don't register half the time. Uh. They kind of suck. And. You know what? I actually went, I saw at Goodwill, because what, what I'll do sometimes, I'll give one of my tricks away. You go to Goodwill, you, you uh, scale it down to only show your local branch. Yes. And then you scale it down again, say, I only want to see things that are pickup only. Okay. So basically, these are things that aren't available to the whole world. They're only available to your region, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're so big, you can only pick them up, typically. Okay. And that's why I was able to get some, like, Section 8 skateboards for, like, $18. Oh, things wow. like that, right? Yeah, pretty cool. That's interesting. And I regret to this day there was a full sized DDR pad, but it was the big metallic one. Are like you the, kidding? Like the big, it was actually made for your home use, but I think originally they were like five hundred bucks because it was metal and it was yeah heavy duty. And I think it ended up going for like ninety eight dollars or something. Oh, but dude, man. I should have got it. In hindsight, I'm like, why didn't I bid more? I think I bid like forty. I'm like that'd be great dude, if I got that be- for forty. Dude, if you and I were ever at a place that had a DDR machine, I've never, I've never actually gone on a real DDR machine. But if I, if there was there, we should get on there and just rock it. I would try. <laughs> I would rock it, man. We I would try. <laughs> I would videotape that. Oh yeah, that would be. Absolutely. We'd have that for our ten dollar and above patron tier. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I think DDR is a cool. I think it's a very cool concept and. I'm sure your daughters probably got into that, but did they get into like the Let's Dance thing on the Wii? And they've never heard um, of DDR, I don't think. But yes, they did the Let da- Let's Dance thing. In fact, my daughter, was, my daughter who just entered um, high school, yeah, is it taking dance? Okay, and um, a big part of that is the fact that, that she grew up playing Just Dance with her friends and yeah, memorizing all the dances. It's called and Just Dance, right? Yep. But my daughter would do it on our Xbox with the Connect, and they would take it would, you'd have to show the little silhouettes of your players, and you can get four yep. players in there all at one time. And That's we it. all would play that game, and I would play it, and it was a blast. I'd, I'd I, do I one song totally, at a, I'd do one song at a time because then I was like sweating and exhausted, and I had to lay down. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right, let's go. We gotta we gotta move on here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Too much DDR fun. No, no, no. We've also kind of alluded to this, Eric, but I'll let you touch on this one because it's yours. Yep, and and this is because I was going to mention I threw this in there. This is another Atari recharge game that is based on one of my favorite games, Berserk. I love Ber- Berserk, um, but this is Berserk Recharged, the first Berserk game since the 1980s. Um, so it will be it's it, it's a sequel to Frenzy. Uh, Berserk is one where you are a little guy and you're walking around a maze and you're shooting things. You can't touch the walls because they're electrified. Um, it is a classic game. I love it. I always play this game. There's There was a great 
uh, version that came out on the Commodore 64. Great version on the Vectrex, too. Yeah, oh, there's a great version on the Vectrex. Um, but this is the recharge version. So I'm, I, I love the idea that you have for that series you're doing on Cody's Corner about playing Atari recharge games. I hope you get to this one because I want to see what this is all about. And by the way, these games, the Atari recharge games, are about at full cost $9.99, whether you're on the Switch, Steam, Xbox, okay. P- PlayStation, whatever. Of course, I'm going to hope I'm hoping to find them on a sale. They were just all on sale and I missed it. So I was hoping to get them all for five bucks. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. But yeah, this looks great. And it's definitely a recharged version of Berserk, uh, which is a, a game that you introduced me to, Eric. I'd never heard of it until I met you. And uh, such a simple concept, but fun game, right? Just stupid, 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 simple gameplay. Yep. And what makes the only thing that adds atmosphere is the voice, the voiceovers. Like that's what the soundtrack is. That's what gives it life. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, was it die, die human? Yeah. Stop the, wait, (laughs) stop the humanoid. Stop the intruder. (laughs) Intruder alert. Oh, and it's uh, my favorite, of course, is, uh, coin detected in pocket. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I hope those are all in here. So this looks Um, really cool. Now, now let me ask you this. If this comes out on that new Atari that's coming out, like the Atari Game Station or the Atari... It's called the Game Station, right? The, yeah, the one we talked about last... Not yeah, episode, there was one in our news, last month, the Atari news. Game Station, and then there was another one, the Atari 2600 Plus. Mm-hmm. If you could get this on that, would you just do that? That I would love to have a, a dedicated machine to these games, even though it sounds yeah. ridiculous and it's purely a collector or kind of a physical want. Because you can yes. play this on anything. It's not a difficult game to... to but no. yeah, I would. The answer is yes. See, I'm thinking uh, instead of buying it on... Like, I'd buy it on my Steam Deck. But instead of that, and I still might, but instead of that, depending on when the Game Station or 2600 Plus or whatever comes out... Man, this would be awesome to have on there with the original controllers. Mm. I agree. Speaking of original games, Eric, I love the game Super Metroid. Yes, you do. And uh, I don't have a it's whole a, lot of hey, information on this, but yeah. You know what? That's a game. You know how I'm doing this, like, where I'm going back to the old classics and trying to beat them, like Mega yes. Man and stuff? Mm-hmm. And maybe this is my next one I should tackle. Super this, Mario Metroid. I never beat it. One of the best games. Yeah. Anyways. Yes, you should. Okay. I agree. Okay. Uh, but for people like me who have already beat Super Metroid and were like, man, I'd love to play more Super Metroid, but I've already played Super Metroid. Right. Uh, somebody has ROM hacked Super Metroid into an entirely new game. This is uh, from timeextension.com, also kind of everywhere in retro news, wherever else you can find it. Um, but a guy named P. Yoshi, or gal, actually, I don't know, just a uh, somebody named P. Yoshi, uh, did a ROM hack in which a character named Junko, a young female, is trapped in a dream where she is worshipped as a goddess and must battle her way out of this bizarre world, eventually taking down the horrifying serpent that worships her. Bizarre uh, concept, but it's called Super Junkoid. (laughs) I wish, I really do wish, people make these amazing ROM hacks and fan games and stuff, and they they pick stupid names. Um, <laughs> seriously, uh, th- this person is so talented, amazing. I'm looking at this game; it looks absolutely amazing. And then you call it Super Junkoid, but nonetheless, uh, game does look amazing. And it's Super Metroid 
Uh, you can tell the engine's there with a different character animation, completely redrawn everything. Yeah. Um, you can tell it the engine's very, under there, but everything else is just a whole different game. Yep, it looks very anime-ish. It does, It's and it's a Japanese developer, so that would make some sense. That makes sense, and I, that, I love that. Schoolgirl um, blue hair is your main yep. character, right? Oh, wow. I mean, this game looks great. Yep. It's you interesting because... I mean, if I can find the time, I'd love to. It's, I mean, Super Metroid is amazing, and this is a full, a full, brand new, basically Super Metroid game, except not Metroid at all, except also Metroid. Anyways, there you go. Uh, Super Junkoid. So check that out if you want to check out a new ROM hack. Sweet. Um, hey. This one you alluded to as well. We keep we keep coming to fruition with all these uh, these leaders we've been sending out there. Yep, this one's going to be simple, short and sweet. The Sega Saturn Core, which has been being had, it's been worked on for a long while now. Um, the Sega Saturn, legendarily, is not an easy machine to emulate. Um, its architecture was two Hitachi chips, um, ma- main processors, and all of its support chips inside are very—they're just not easy to replicate in emulation. So even if you try to emulate a Saturn on PC, it's going to be touch and go. Um, but now, finally, they've been working on the Sega Saturn core on Mister for quite a while, and now it is—you've been able to download betas now for about a year. I mean, you can download like the their their unstable, what they call unstable versions. It has finally reached the stable version and is now, I just did an update all today. Like there's a script you run on the mister and it just downloads all the latest cores that are available. Boom. Saturn's now available on there. And I went and I ran it and I was playing, um, I, I downloaded street fighter two as a, um, as just a test. It's beautiful. It worked right off the bat, worked well. Um, I downloaded Daytona. I downloaded um, uh, Mr. Bones. I did. Come I did on. download Mr. You gotta Bones. You got to play some Mr. Um, Bones. I downloaded Mr. Bones, but today, I mean, I did this literally like two hours before we recorded, so uh, gotcha. I didn't have a lot of time. And it takes a long time to transfer those ISOs to uh, the the, the Mister. But um, so far, it's working, and it works great. And, you, and the cool thing about the Mister. Um, is that when you start the Mr. the Saturn core, you come up to a black screen and you go to the menu and you can pick whatever BIOS you want. So you can do a Japanese BIOS. You can do a US one. You can do the, the, um, the high V like the special Sega Saturns that came out in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, you can pick whatever BIOS you want and you pick that. And then that's what, that's the operating system that boots up and then you can load in your ISOs or whatever from there. So, Very cool. um, Sega Saturn core now. So now with that with the PS one core, you now have two advanced kind of, uh, CD based, uh, game, uh, game systems available on, on there. Yep. Still going to get me one of these. They are working d- feverishly on the N64 core right now. And, uh, that's going to be available soon. Awesome. And you don't even have to like tilt your mister to make it work. Nope. But no, you do have to tilt. What do you have to tilt? A cartridge. That is true. Apparently. Tell so me this more. Is like, this was my version of uh, news of the weird, right? News, news, news of the weird, weird, weird. So this is an article I found and we'll have the link in the show notes of a practice that is 
people are doing right now called cartridge tilting. Have you heard of this? I have not. This is news to me. Cartridge tilting, I'm just going to read this right off the site, is the practice of slightly tilting one end of an N64 cartridge out of the console while the game is being played. Don't try this at home. (laughs) While this is not recommended due to the risk of deleting or corrupting save data, as well as damaging the cartridge, it's often done by players to create corruption effects in the game. And if you look, it is pretty wild. This would be almost like an April Fool's joke, and though although it's not April, April, like look at this, Cody. Like they <laughs> tilt the cartridge, and like Super Mario in 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 uh, Super Mario sixty four, he's like he's like laying on his back, sliding along the the ground. And when he jumps, he just kind of like flutters up halfway, and then comes back down. It's isn't. That is something that I wouldn't expect just tilting the cartridge. Like I would expect corruption on the screen or like some weird effect, but it literally moves your character to where it, it, it it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess you have to tilt it and push it back in or something. Cause the idea is to stop the flow of data for a brief second. And <laughs> it's like, it's a way of like hacking the code kind of, but with no rhyme so- or reason. It's so bizarre. Um, I just, when I come across stuff like this, it's, I do wonder why, like why do people do this? But because you can, because you can, I guess, but cartridge tilting. tilting. And for some reason it's on a website called supper Mario broth. And this (laughs) Mario and Luigi eating like soup together. And it's the whole, this whole thing, Eric is pretty much weird, weird, weird news, 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 news. It is weird news. That's all. Uh, Eric. Yeah. My next news item is entitled, Is Atari Doing Things Right? Now, we alluded to this last month. We did. We did. Like, Atari had like three really positives and then a huge potential negative by buying a very large fan base called, yeah. uh, shoot, what's it called? Atari Age. Atari Age, yeah. Dot com. Uh, but so far, I'm seeing some news here. That it gets me excited. Um, two pieces of news, Eric. The first one, a game from the Atari 2600 called Lost. I'm sorry, not called Lost, called Save Mary. Save Mary, yeah. Which had been Lost, uh, is finally getting an official release. Now, this game apparently uh, was supposed to be released in the early 80s by somebody named Todd Fry. And um, it's actually getting... Now, Atari started to make new copies, new games for the old... Tw- Atari 2600, which also works in their new Atari they're releasing, by the way, uh, that comes complete with a box and the correct artwork and everything for fifty nine ninety nine, and they're releasing this game that's never been released called Save Mary. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, and it, I mean, it looks like an old Atari game. It is an old Atari game, just never been released. And uh, I mean, this is the kind of stuff people have been wanting Atari to do, and they're doing yeah. it. Like, boom, five or six years of just laughing at Atari and groaning when they take over things that we don't want them to take over but we're actually starting to see some stuff we like um this is called the atari xp line and essentially it's new releases of classic atari cartridge titles so it comes with the box and a manual and you can pre-order it now for 59.99 along with uh looks like we mentioned this last month but a game called outlaw and there's a couple other ones. Yeah, the Atari 2600 Plus is the new system, new the new old Atari that'll play all these yeah, games. Yeah, and if the 2600 Plus will play the those 
what are they recharged remember if you remember the 2600 plus is going to play 2600 games and 7800 games yep there's nothing nothing about nothing recharged about that okay but the game station might maybe yes okay maybe i don't know and eric the other item atari was doing right is coming out with a game called berserk recharged oh wait we already covered that oh man (laughs) i i hit it down here duplicates in there but uh yeah a couple of atari things that are that are exciting so cool i do have another one coming to next year which i just i'm gonna call this eric i'm throwing this in here because i saw it and i'm like you know what let's save face for pixel guide in because last time i discussed this people were up in arms right so i just want to make sure everyone knows that i'm very excited as well as eric i'm sure that um the the japanese have a a new phone preservation cause and it is making some incredible strides in saving nine commercial iMode games from Japanese mobile phones. <laughs> so, so it's becoming a big deal. So, yeah, so, I mean, I remember 48K Ram was up yeah. in arms about that. And Pajako, he was he took it in stride, but he worked on a lot of these games. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, and uh, I see City Connection on here, but I don't, I don't know what the format is, what this, um, what do they call it? I just said it. It says, uh, when it comes to video game preservation, again, this is straight from timeextension.com, NTT Docomo's popular Japanese feature phone service, iMode, uh, has often been overlooked. Nonetheless, companies like Capcom, Enix, Konami, Namco, and more have published high-quality games for it, and so now we're saving these mobile versions of these games. Um, I see City Connection here, and a game I don't recognize. It looks very anime but there you go. Mobile phone games being saved. Eric, you and I absolutely love that. We do. We do. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate. Big advocate. I, I love that for those who care about those games, Eric. Yep. And yep. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> 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 what is this one? Uh, so this is some outdoor areas for upcoming platformer um, pole station on Pico 8. This is a game that is coming out soon. Uh, I've been following the author making this game, and it looks awesome. Uh, the guy that makes his, his name, he goes by Pavilion. I think this game will probably be good in the next couple of months. Um, but it is a platformer where there's a little Eskimo guy, and he can grab these power-ups where he goes into a bubble and he can float through the, the platforms. Um, he basically is picking up little items and power-ups and stuff like that uh it's all kind of got a blue tint to it because it's it's polar so it's like in the like frozen arctic um but i'm not seeing the slidey ice effect which is good yep i don't have a lot to say about this because again there's very little information about this game he'll leak little like updates like this that show some of the levels um but again as people know i'm always down for a pico 8 game and this one looks fantastic and it's very blue. Yeah. It doesn't look like a Pico 8 game. It looks like an NES game. It does look like an NES game. You're right. Which is saying something. That is a good point. Very cool. Yep. Um, and last but not least, this last article also comes from Time Extension, but it is a uh, manufacturer, or not a manufacturer, a publisher that we know quite well. Um if you want to hop off to Kickstarter, there's a new book coming out called From Coin Ops to Tabletops, and this one's unique. We don't talk about every book that gets released because there's a lot of books that are getting released. 
Uh, But this one investigates the tabletop electronic classics that got an entire generation gaming. So it is going to be a book focusing on the cool little like physical handhelds that you'd see in like a Sears catalog. Yeah. Most of these I'm looking at them right now. I mean, they look so cool. Uh, They're kind of before my time. I was really the era of the tiger handheld kind of smaller ones, but these are like, um, I'm looking at a few here. There's a big old desktop version of scramble or any of the, um, the tabletop game and watches that Nintendo came out with caveman here. This one looks like it says Dracula. I don't, I've never even seen that one before, but these are like, you know, ones that you'd buy for fifty nine ninety nine or get them for Christmas. And they played one game and they were all themed around that one game. And, yep. uh, they're very unique and uh, very cool, very collectible. I'm sure I'd love to collect them if I was into the hobby about 15 years ago. Because now I'm sure they're worth a ton of money. So, like about 12 to 15 years ago, I would look on Goodwill and places like that, and you could pick these up for about 40, 50 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. Not anymore. These are hundreds and hundreds of dollars if they're working. Uh, but like that Scramble game, I remember I was looking for Scramble for so long. Yep. And uh, you can't even get them now. I mean, they're just so expensive. So I love these little, little these little uh, handheld games. They're, they're awesome. Yeah. And I bought a couple um, from, I want to say NTech or N something like that. I bought one that was a kind of a version of a Pac-Man type of game. It wasn't Pac-Man though. I'm trying to remember what it was now. And, uh, bought it not working and i opened it up and replaced some capacitors and fixed some crusty solder joints and got it working and, and sold it for a lot more than i bought it for um but that wasn't really a desktop that was more of a handheld where these are actually like the you put them on the desk they tilt towards you and have a big joystick yeah so these are kind of above and beyond the handheld that i'm talking about but right it, it, this is like a whole world that i haven't even really thought about that when i as soon as i see this picture i'm like man i want to collect them all <laughs> <laughs> right bad time to do it but it man i want to connect them all they they look super cool yep and that eric is the news yay Woo! do we have a cool button for that um it was like Woo! there we go tim will tim will call us out thank you tim eric it is that point in the show where we only have one segment left and that is for us to battle a couple systems battle of the systems <laughs> and on this battle of the systems eric and i are going to talk about six good oh six good games <laughs> <laughs> no two good games hopefully two good games well, we picked for a battle of the systems that have to do with 32 and 64 bit systems that generation. Yes. Um, and I picked them both, whether for, for good or for evil, I picked them both <laughs> nightmare creatures on the Nintendo 64 and Mr. Bones on the Sega Saturn. Mr. Bones, Mr. Bones. So Eric, first of all, have you heard of either of these games before I picked them? I, I think I heard of both of them, but I have I did not play either game. Gotcha. Or neither. Both, I should say neither, right? Neither. Neither. English? Neither. Both of these games are games I remember popping in briefly, trying them and saying, 
I'd love to get back to that, and I never did. So right. this is this forced me selfishly to get back to some games I've been wanting to try, and they're cool. Halloween themed, so it worked out. Yep. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, since you picked them, I want you to pick. Let's go Nightmare Creatures first, because that's what I've got in order here. Awesome. Nightmare Creatures. We are covering the one on the N64, so let's give some dry statistics, shall we? I like them dry. <laughs> oh. Mm. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Um, the developer was Callisto Entertainment. Uh the cover art on this was very scary. It says nightmare creatures and there's like a, almost like a skeleton looking thing with, with glowing orange eyes. Um, the composer on this was Frederick Mott. Frederick Mott. Oh yeah. One of my favorite composers with the last name of Mott. (laughs) Um, the, the main programmer was Eric Thermorot. Uh, the producer was Nicholas Gaum. Gaum. These are some dry statistics. I'm telling you. They are dry. I'm I'm trying to make them as dry as possible. Um, I'm trying to counterbalance that jammy beer we have. Now I'm going super dry. Um, the funny thing is this one has a lot of versions that I, I didn't know about this. Um, has the uh, the PlayStation version, Microsoft Windows, the Nintendo 64, and mobile. So cell phones had this on it, which I, I find can, interesting. I can only imagine that controlling so much better. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the one we're talking about came out in November 1998, and that's the Nintendo 64 version. Um, and then... What I would say is the comparable version of this is the PlayStation 1, which came out September 97 in North America, uh, January 98 for the EU. Um, it is the genre survival horror. Um, it is a single-player game. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is a single-player game, so you cannot play two-player games. Um, with that... I wanted to let you know that there was a sequel to this game called Nightmare Creatures 2. It was released three years later. Um, but anyway, uh, I heard, I think I we heard this just, one was actually a financial success. I wouldn't be they, surprised. They sold yeah. a number of this game. They made yeah. some money. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'd do a sequel if it didn't. So I, 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 I do wonder. Well. <laughs> well, I do wonder which one, which one uh, did really well. Was it the PlayStation? Was it the N sixty four? Was it the Windows version? I don't know. Yeah. So I'll start off with a little bit about the game. So first of all, this game has always intrigued me. Even when I ha- actually was like the, the Nintendo sixty four was current, this game looked cool. I do think part of it was the kind of I had a Nintendo 64 and other people had a PlayStation thing. And um, I don't know if this game came out. I'm, I'm assuming it came out after Resident Evil, which was a true survivor tr- survival horror game. I would think so. Yeah. And this game very much has that vibe. It is creepy and atmospheric and, um, you know, you're going in and out of buildings and there's it's kind of old timey. Uh, you're going through graveyards and going back into mausoleums and things. And it's got that vibe. But I wouldn't call it a survival horror game. To me, this game is an hack and slash action game. Yeah, it almost has a slight like fighter elements to it, too. And 
And the best way I can describe it now, back then I wouldn't know how to describe it. The best I can describe it now okay. uh, is I've, I've played, um, I haven't played any of the Souls games, but I've played Blood, uh, what's it called? Blood? Bloodborne? Bloodborne, which is a Souls game, but it's not Dark Souls. Right. It plays like a pro, like a, a, a beta version of like a, a Bloodborne game. It is, you're kind of walking down a predetermined path for the most part, and you'll come up to an enemy, and your goal is to stop in front of that enemy, face up to them, and kind of fight one enemy at a time. Yep. Which more or less is how Bloodborne plays. And if you're fighting more than one enemy at a time, you did it wrong. <laughs> um, right. So I would say um, the gameplay, I'll try to keep my opinions out at this point, but the gameplay is very much um, walking through very dark, kind of creepy corridors, kind of going where the game wants you to go, but on your own time, run into various creatures, mostly zombies, sometimes these larger monster-looking creatures, and basically killing them in order to move forward. Your ultimate goal, uh, you know, you can find switches to open gates and things like that. Very often, you'll, you'll get to the point where you're like, what am I supposed to do? I can't figure this out. And then you magically will find through a box or something, a, a switch or something which, which raises a door, and then you can move forward. There's lots of jump scares. The game is made for jump scares. Um, you know, you walk up to a gate and magically something jumps through it, breaks through it, scares you, and it's attacking you, and you have to react real quick. Um, but the, the the gameplay, as much as it wants to be survival horror or, or slow-paced and creepy, it really is a you rush through it and just um, try to kill, kill things as quick as possible and move forward. Um, it does give you things like right now it's showing a triple kick as you hit A three times. There's also like a triple punch, which is hit, hit B three times. Um, I guess there's kind of two ways to play the game. And one way is, uh, you know, if you look at Nintendo 64 controller, you got A and you got B. One is like kind of a sword slash, and the other one is more of a, like a jump kick. Um, but if you're holding forward and you press either of those buttons, it's a little different attack than if you're pressing left or right or backwards in one of those buttons. And then you have um, the four directional uh, yellow buttons on the Nintendo 64, which allow you to strafe left. It's more of a jump left or jump right, um, a jump forward, or a block. And the idea is really kind of one-on-one combat with with these creatures. I did look up some other people's opinions of this game to a point to realize that a lot of people shared my opinion, which is, it's easier just to run through it hitting A or B a bunch of times than it is to try to figure out like how to accurately combat each enemy type. Um, so that's kind of the gameplay that I felt. Uh, do you want to add anything to that, Eric, or do you want to start talking about how the game actually feels and plays? Um, no, I think you covered that really well. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll save, I'll save what I have to say about the game. Maybe you can cover the items. It. That's one thing I didn't cover. Yeah, I mean, there are items where you can pick, you scroll through, and it's kind of a neat little inventory thing where it scrolls almost like a dial on the bottom right-hand side. It's kind of almost like in a circular path that, like, scrolls through different items you find. You find spells that you can cast, different weapons, like a gun, uh, like a revolver. Um, You basically can find... I'm sorry, go ahead. That triple gun? Yep, that little triple gun. Almost, yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, and you find these things usually sitting on crates, or you just find them around the levels. Um, 
I agree with what you're saying. Like the best strategy in this game is corner uh, um, a monster into back him into a wall or into a corner and just button smash. Yep. Um, the game like will give you these little clues and hints on like, hey, here's how you do this special move. Here's how you do this special move. And you might try it and you might go, oh, that's really cool. The graphics are neat, you know, but ultimately you just hit you just hit over and over again and you'll 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 destroy the you'll destroy the enemy in front of you, basically. Um, did you have a hard time figuring out how to jump when you got to a bridge? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I had to look that up. Because I'm like, wait, how is there a way to get across this bridge? Or am I looking for like another key or what am I doing here? And sure enough, there's the down yellow arrow is jump. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Um, what I will say about this game. Oh, it, actually, another thing I'll say about this game, which is kind of counter, counterintuitive to be it being a, uh, a true kind of Resident Evil style survival horror is there's yes, a red energy bar that's horizontal at the bottom of your screen. And yep. then you have another bar, which is your, I guess, your vitality or whatever they call it on the, and it goes vertical on the left side of the screen, probably to save real estate for your, your, the gameplay in the middle. Right. Kind of a weird looking HUD. But that being said, the whole point of that blue bar is if you don't attack an enemy quick enough, that bar will keep going down until you start taking damage. Yep. So the idea is to force you to be in fights regularly, which is the opposite of survival horror. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. That's, so that that's... bar is called the adrenaline bar. Oh, there you go. Adrenaline. Okay, perfect. And in the settings, you can turn that off. Did you? No, I left uh, it on. And I never came into play for me. Actually, I didn't learn about the bar until much later. I never ran low on me to, to my knowledge. But um, it's funny that they're trying to force you, again, to be an action platformer, an action adventure game rather than a survival horror, but still calling it a survival horror game. These blue right. monsters were interesting because they were large and they looked terrifying, but I noticed I could punch them against the wall and punch them over and over and over again, and they would not... Mm-hmm. You, you could never stop them. You could never punch them to the point where they fell over. You had to actually punch them until they stopped making noise. Yeah. And then when they stopped making noise, you could stop punching them and actually let their animation let them fall to their death. Otherwise, they would just... You could punch them infinitely. Um, the zombies are interesting because they'll come back to life unless you cut them in half with your sword. So you don't know if a zombie is going to come back to life or not unless you see a blood pile underneath their body. Yeah. If they if you don't, then you're going to wait about 30 seconds and they're going to come back to life. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got orbs that rep- replenish part of your health, orbs that replenish all your health, and you're expected to use those regularly as I found it very difficult not to get hit from time to time. Um, let's talk controls, Eric. How did you like the controls on this game? The controls were uh, horrible. <laughs> How so? They are tank controls, uh, which I... Listen, you like Resident Evil, and and you, I think you've kind of acclimated yourself to those type of controls, and they mm-hmm. work well. They work... Fu- I don't want... No. No, let me back up. They don't work well. They, they work okay in a scenario like Resident Evil where it's slow-paced... You're, 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 you're trying to like sneak through a level or, or go slowly and look at what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, in this kind of game, it, 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 it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to do the controls that a tank style controls in an action fighting platformer that emphasizes speed and, and, you know, 
hitting one enemy and going to the next enemy and like quickly it it these are not the right controls for this game i would agree with that and by tank controls he means Uh this is a behind the character third person viewpoint for the most part until the camera can tell the camera gets confused yeah um so yeah, you're behind your character, which I always went with. There's a you can choose a, a male. I don't even know his name or a female named Nadia. I always choose a female because if I'm going to be behind a character for hours at a time, might as well be a woman. Right, um, Nadia, and uh, I know the guy's name. Um, I put it in my notes here. Uh, Ignatius. Ooh, Ignatius. Ignatius and Nadia. You can pick either one. So, um. Yeah, it's like forward is forward, back makes you jump back, kind of one jump at a time, mm-hmm. and left and right turn you slowly, like as the tank turret would, left or right, before right. you press forward again. Now, I think the idea is you're supposed to use that to navigate the map, but then when you come to an enemy, you're supposed to use the left and right yellow buttons, which allow you to jump left or right, but always facing the enemy. I think that's the idea. I don't know. It doesn't work well. You very often get the camera so confused that you're like facing towards yourself trying to acclimate to which is left and which is right and what you're doing yeah. or you'll end up attacking a wall while the enemy's right next to you and you're like no turn you idiot um it's it it's frustrating <laughs> it, it's very very frustrating but I, i'm not gonna i got some very positive things to say about this game so i'm not trying yeah, to be negative those. Well, no, we're talking about controls right now. I mean, this, okay, is, so controls, this is the yeah. gameplay portion of this, as from my perspective. Sure. I, yeah, the controls to me are the worst I can imagine for this kind Oof. of game. Oof. Yeah. Spicy words. Yeah, I, I would ha- I'm going to have to grade this. I'm going to have to take a lot of points off for these controls. They were frustrating at times. You do get stuck in, which w- was pretty common for this era, the camera angles and the camera, you get stuck in certain areas because the camera is not spinning right. They were still really trying to get used to 3D games in this era. Um, it, the controls and the camera are not great in this game. The other thing I'll say real quick before I let you start talking about the things you enjoyed about the game. Yeah. It's it's too dark. Okay. There, there's dark there's dark for atmosphere, and I think it does the atmosphere well, but yeah. I think it also is a detriment to the gameplay to the point yes. where I was frustrated by it. So that's fair. One, one point for atmosphere, negative two points for gameplay because of the darkness. Yeah. Now, what else did you like about the game, Eric? So the pros in this game are the game looks for its time it they, it looks really good. Um, I think the game is very atmospheric. Um, the 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 cool thing is the how there's a limiting draw distance in this era actually adds to the game sometimes because you can't see the enemies till they're right up on you and it kind of gives you that that startled startled feeling the jump when, scare yeah. Yeah, you're walking through a graveyard and suddenly you see a dude coming at you and he's not that far away. So the draw distance actually, the bad draw distance helps in this kind of game in some levels. Um, There's a fog. um, There's a fog effect in the graveyards and outside that is really cool. I mean, it's done very well. And for those who have played or even have heard about Nintendo 64 games and laugh about the bad fog using, basically they use fog in a lot of games like Turok to hide the, how bad the draw distance is. 
Yep. That's not what we're talking about here. It's actually a cool, like, ground-level fog that just yeah. adds the atmosphere and creep factor. It looks, it looks very good in this game. Um, when you face an enemy and you do a special move or whatever and you chop them in half, I mean, those are really cool. You could cut... You're cutting limbs off. You're cutting dudes in half. I mean, it's pretty neat. The, the, I mean, I, I'm not into gore stuff, but I mean, it is neat to see that effect in the game, like when you're fighting an enemy. Eric enjoys snuff films. I, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I don't. But uh, the the graphics are really cool in this game. Um, the 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 sound effects are really good. The sound is good. The music in this game. and the sound is creepy. It's very creepy. Correct. They're very fit, they fit the game very well in a very um, like eighties movie way. If, mm-hmm. if I can say something, so my daughter and 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 my wife, but my younger daughter uh, has has taken a liking to scary movies and things, but yeah, not like modern, you know crazy horror saw stuff like we were talking about earlier but like we just ended up watching a movie i haven't seen since i was a lot younger called the fog from yeah, john carpenter yeah. yep and it's these zombies that, and they have this creepy like 80s soundtrack that you just don't hear anymore it's kind of corny but at the same time it's super creepy and like the suspense comes from the this slow fog rolling in and these slow red-eyed zombies coming out of the water and this has that vibe like and to make it to make it better for me I didn't even do this on purpose, but there's a lot of lights in my in my house where I have my my video game set up. Yeah, and my CRT has a very reflective screen, so it was so dark I couldn't see it very well. So I had to turn off all my lights so I could see the screen. Right, and then I had this. You know, my speakers are pretty far apart. Surround sound, not surround sound, but stereo, and the dark atmosphere with this music and these jump scares in the dark in my room. I was actually really kind of creeped out by the atmosphere it was actually really well done that's cool that's cool um let, let me tell you a little bit of the differences between the playstation and the n64 version because i found that i found this pretty interesting um so the first thing is the platforming elements in this game were made easier on the nintendo 64 uh version um wow <laughs> to help you get through the game exactly wow um, the health depleting adrenaline meter um can be turned off like i mentioned in the options menu allowing players to explore the levels at more leisurely so i appreciate that because again oh, yeah. i think that a game should be i i, th- I like games that are more exploration heavy mm-hmm. and turning that adrenaline meter off could help you. Now I didn't when I played yeah. this, but you could. Yeah. Um, the other thing um, was that because of the limited storage capacity on the uh, N64, the the PlayStation has full motion videos that are in between levels, which you and I uh, don't care for particularly. I, I don't care for those. I don't like those. Um, so basically, the PlayStation version. Graphically, the the N sixty four is more crisp, clear, and detailed. What? Um, what than the PlayStation version because uh, the PlayStation version has texture problems and pixelization quite a bit. Where well, the N sixty four smooths graphics out. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, based on what's on paper, I haven't played the the PlayStation version, but it sounds to me like I would enjoy the N sixty four version a lot more. Which means your rating for this game is going to go a lot further. I am sure further than a PlayStation one would. Sure. (laughs) 
Do we have anything anything else to add to this one, or uh, are we ready? How far did you get in this game? How about that question? Let's ask that first. Yeah, so I got to the first boss. Um, the one we're looking and, at right now? Yeah. Okay. And I beat the first boss, and then I played maybe about five or ten more minutes, and then that's about as far as I got. Because of time, or was it difficult? It was because of the time. What I do like about it is that every level you beat gives you a code. It's the password yes, save. Yes, it does. Yep. And it's kind of a, it's complicated because it's a lot of different buttons to do it, but uh, you can kind of start where you left off. So that's nice. And I think that's really the way to play this game. I didn't give myself the time to play it that way. I really played it from start to until I died. Um, and I did that a couple times. I need to give myself more time. I didn't, uh, I didn't get enough into this game. So I did not beat this boss even, Eric. You got further than I did. Um, and according to the time signature here, we only got about an eighth of the way through the game. So lots of game here, actually. Yeah. I thought it would be kind of a, you just kind of hack your way through the whole game. That being said, fast forwarding and reading other reviews, it doesn't change a whole lot. Right. So I could see this game getting quite repetitive as well. Um, yeah. The monsters, you know, at the hour and 13 minute mark are the same monsters we've already seen in the game. Um, I'm I sure there's that- one or two more, but. Yep, I heard that the monsters you face and even the levels are just kind of get kind of this kind of samey. But I did hear that the bosses are unique um, and interesting for the most part. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's keep this going. 13 tombstones. What are we going to give Nightmare Creatures on the Nintendo 64? All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to give Nightmare Creatures. I want to write this down somewhere. I'm going to give this 13. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 7. Hmm. That's Boom. right where I was thinking between a 6 or a 7. I'll just meet you there. I'll say 7 as well. Okay. Um Here's the real rating system. Would you go back and play more of this or no? Honestly, no. I, I I I hate tank controls. So if they remastered this with regular style controls, I think I would because I, li- I, I do like. I want to like this a- game. You what? I, I want to like this game. Yeah, I want to like it, and I do. I like I like a lot about it. Um, but the controls get in my way. That's the best way I can put it. That's exactly it. And I feel like if we played it the way it was intended with all those blocks and parries and stuff, it might be a little different, but but I'm not that's not the way my mind works. So. Not me either. Uh, if you're a Bloodborne fan or a Dark Souls fan, I think this should be fun to go back and give it a shot. It might work for you. Yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere and creep factor, I think, are totally there. But gameplay is king, and that just kind of kills it for me. So yep, 7 out of 13 from both of us. Right on. All right, we got one more game to talk about this episode, and that is Mr. Bones on the Sega Saturn. Mr. Bones! Mr. Bones! This is where you give us dry stats, by the way. That's right. (laughs) I've got the driest stats. The driest of all stats. Uh, So this game is called Mr. Bones for the Sega Saturn. Uh, The developer was Zono, publisher is Sega. Zono. This game came out on exactly one console, the Sega Saturn. So this didn't come out anywhere else. 
um, when this game came out, it was on two discs. Can you believe that? I can. I actually had a copy of it at one oh, point. Oh, you did? Kind of bummed I sold it. Yeah. The genre that uh, Wikipedia lists for this is platform, rhythm, and minigame. I guess that's okay. Um, <laughs> it is a single-player game only. The release for this game in North America was October 18th, 1996. Um, in the EU, it came out in March 13th, 1997. Um, the game is a multi-genre video game, which means that you're going to get a lot of different type of games in this one game. You're also going to get a lot of different cutscenes. A lot of different cutscenes. Um, one thing that to note, the soundtrack to Mr. Bones was composed and performed by Ronnie Montrose. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is a I I hadn't heard of him, but he is a big time guitarist. I guess right. Have yes, you heard of he, him before? He formed the band Montrose, I, which I didn't know. Huh, so well, there you go. There we go. I now I do. But I will say the music in this game is really good. Yeah, so I guess that's my my segue here. So Mr. Bones is very interesting. You are a skeleton. Yes. Uh, and to the best I can kind of put together, the, the little vignettes, the little movies kind of tell you a story. And the, you're basically playing mini games in between movie cutscenes. Right. It's interesting. Um, now, I love cheesy bad horror. And so this is very much in my style. So I actually enjoyed these cutscenes. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a Sega Saturn, so you'll have a cutscene, and then it'll stop for like 30 seconds while it loads something else. <laughs> and then if you die, it has to pause and wait while it loads a death cutscene, plays that, and then pauses again to get you back to the main screen so it can pause again to get you back into the gameplay. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Outside of that, these cutscenes are actually really well done. They're usually they pretty are. bad in, in these early you know full motion video games, but... Um, Basically, there's this creepy, like, necromancer guy that plays drums, like bongos, these drums, but they're not just any drums. They're, like, connected to Tesla coils and weird electricity things, like Frankenstein's lab meets necromancer drummer guy. And he plays these drums and raises up all these skeletons to do his evil bidding to take over the world or something to that effect. And there's one skeleton that, for some reason, has blue eyes, Eric, instead of red eyes. That's right. And that is Mr. Bones, and he is the good skeleton. But he is, in typical 90s, uh, you know, uh, form, he is a good skeleton with a with a tood. He's got an attitude. And he is very clearly a, uh, a brother. He's a, a soulful man who, who likes to uh, talk jive. He's definitely a, uh, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A caricature. <laughs> um... But he seems seems like a good dude. Like I can hang out with a guy, and uh, yeah, you know, part. Go ahead. From what it says, it says he. So one skeleton is pure of heart, and therefore he's resurrected not with the red evil skeletism, skeletism, but with blue good <laughs> skeletism. Oh, um, because of this, he retains his free will, so he's not affected by the drums. Um, this fact is quickly noticed by Dagulian, which is the bad guy that's that's playing the drums. All right. And he orders his newly created army to destroy this rebel who calls himself simply Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. So you are this guy and your goal is to avoid all the red skeletons and survive. And I guess later in the game, you're, you're, you're trying to 
relieve all humanity of this evil, including the other skeletons. But at first, your goal is to survive. And yeah. my guess is that, as, as far as you and I got, Eric, it's trying to survive. Could be wrong. I don't know. Um, at some point, you're like playing the guitar with another guy from the South playing the blues. Um, it, it, the videos are all over the place, and they're kitschy and funny, and I, I love them. I love the vibe of this game. Uh, definitely B-movie or worse. Um, but let's talk about the actual gameplay. Everything I played was based on a platformer. It's like a 2D side-scrolling platformer. Really? But with 3D models. Okay. I mean, it's 3D models, but it's 2D gameplay. So the very first minigame is you running from a bunch of skeletons. And yep. it's you run from left to right. It's auto-scrolling at this part. Your job is to jump over things and avoid being caught by one of the bad skeletons, which will also dive at you if you get close to them and throw bones at you. And you don't want to get hit by those things. If you do get hit, you lose your own bones, which is hilarious yep. because all of a sudden you have no arms or all of a sudden you have no legs and you're like... Your, your body's moving the only way it knows how. You can get all the way down to the point where it's just a, a spine and a skeleton hopping. Um, yep. and, it's, uh, a, it's like an endless runner. Endless runner is a good way to put the first level, yeah. But it, ultimately, level, yeah. It, ultimately, it's a platformer. I mean, that's endless runner yeah. platformer. Um, and, I mean, it looks better than a standard 2D game. It, it's, it's interesting, but it's 2D gameplay. And, uh, but when your bones fall off, they'll keep showing up later in the level so you can grab them and attach them back to yourself. <laughs> it's really fun and kind of cool. It's very interesting and it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, it, what's cool is that when you grab those butterflies, you get the blue skeleton energy and the energy is what's holds your bones together. But once you lose bones, they're gone until you see them later in level and then you can hit a button to collect them as you run over them. And they're more willing to fall off if you don't have any blue energy. So you want That's right. both blue energy and your bones. Yep. Um, once you get to the second mini game, it's completely different. It's still a side-scrolling platformer in gameplay, but it's more of a I don't know what you call it. I guess a rhythm game kind of. It's these ske- yeah. you're, you're magically on like a, a granite table, and you can run left and right and jump just like a, a platformer. But these other bad skeletons are above and below the table trying to slap you, but they do it in a pattern, like a, a wave, almost like you're at a, a sports game and they're doing the wave. And your goal is to not be on the table when they smack the table. So you're like jumping over the waves. Right. And that's random. And then for some reason, halfway through this, they start walking on the table. And now your goal is to either jump on their heads to try to knock them out. Or you have um, the ability, I guess the, the whole game, you have this ability to like, put your hand out and shock them to death. Huh. I guess you didn't know that part. <laughs> I did not know that part. No. So uh, let's see if, let's see if this replay we're watching shows some of the, here you go. He's shocking right there. <laughs> right in the butt. And shocked him in the butt as you do. Yep. It's, it's a, put, I mean, it's, there's no, put, it's a bizarre selection of yeah. m- mixed up mini games, even within one mini game, like the gameplay changes mid game. It's, it's weird. The it whole is thing weird. is weird. Yep. Yeah, um, there. So just to pull back a little bit, there are twenty six different games in this game. Levels, Di- twenty six levels. And they're, it, all, yeah. they're all different games. Uh, they're not all completely different, but they're slightly different. Um, 
like there are a lot of them, like you're saying are based on platforms, but there are levels based on like memorization, like, like almost like the memory game where you flip over cards. There's a, um, a tempest style where it's like a shoot 'em up where the skeleton's flying and he's like shooting in a circular, uh, cylinder. Um, there was a level, let me try to think. Uh, there is a level where, um, there it's almost like defender where he's walking down this level and he's grabbing little dudes that fall from the sky. Um, there's this one where he's holding the guitar and it's like a rhythm game where you got to like play the ultimate solo and you're converting the red skeletons to the blue. Um, there are a ton of different mini games that you'll kind of recognize some of them. Some of them are based on like arcade games and stuff. Yep, most of them are platform based, but like you said, that that rhythm game with your where you're playing the guitar yep. is a departure from that. But what's cool about them is they all move the story forward, and you're all kind of playing the story to the yep. point where I didn't mind the FMV sequences. I actually enjoyed the videos. Yeah, and I liked that if you if you died or whatever, and the game was game over, you can go to options and just select which level you want to start on. It'll let you select any level you've beaten already. That's right. So you can but work you your way forward. You have to beat the level to open it up. Yes. So you you will go back a level, if you will, but you don't have to like play the whole game all the way through each time. Right. Um, in this case, it's daytime in the woods. You know, at this point in the game, scenery changes completely. This point again, it's another platform adventure, uh, endless runner. But you're running down a hill with logs falling on you, trying to avoid the logs. Reminds me a lot of what game do we play where it's very much like this? Ooh, I can't think what game that was now. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I don't remember. Here's another <laughs> rhythm game where you're playing drums. It's kind of like Simon. Yep. Um, and it's cool because each level has a name. Like this one's Glass Shards, and um, one the 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 one where you play guitar solo is called a guitar solo. So it's really kind of straightforward. But uh, just an interesting mix of games and storytelling. Um, did you enjoy the gameplay of many of these, or was it more just interesting as a collection of its parts rather than the parts themselves? Yeah, so that's pretty rough. Um, I did, I will tell you that I used my action replay cartridge to cheat and unlock all the levels. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I did not cheat though by giving myself any extra lives or or powers or anything i just unlocked the levels um so that i could pick and choose what level because i wanted to see all the levels because literally i think naturally i got to like level three Uh and then i just started running out of time so i wanted to jump around to different levels and check them out um which i think is a cool way to play the game honestly um this game, I mean, this is going to sound kind of brutal, but this is a game where it's it makes a ton of different games, but masters none of them. Like, <laughs> none of them are brutal. fantastic games. Um, they're okay, um, but but there's tons of different ones. So if you want variety, this is the game for you. I mean, there's a ton of variety in the mini games if you're a fan of like those games like mario party where there's a ton of little mini games then you will love this game i mean there are so many different games um if that doesn't really if you don't care about that then this game can be a little frustrating in that the games 
could be a little rough around the edges and they they're not all they're not all great. I'll just leave it or, at that. Or any of them. <laughs> right. None of them are great, but some of them are decent and some of them are not good. And that's the thing. You have to play you have to beat the ones that aren't good to keep progressing. That's right, unless you cheat me, like I did. For me, this is this game is an experience. And if you look at it that way, I think you can enjoy it. Correct. I find myself even though the games themselves are frustrating hit detection is the worst part of the whole thing uh you're right about hit detection it can get frustrating in certain games yep or just even learning what you're supposed to do um in some games because it's not clear there's you don't flash when you're hit the enemies don't show when they're hit necessarily and um the game is more about the storytelling and the music and the theatrics than anything else so as long as you experience it that way and say, hey, I'm gonna, my goal is to play through this game knowing it's not like, it's not going to walk your hand through it or hold your hand through it. You're going to have to, it's challenging. You're going to have to earn your way through this game, but it's going to be one mini game at a time. Maybe even playing one or two a night and working your way through it, which I might do. That's right. I think it's a really cool, unique experience that I've never experienced in any other video game ever. Um, so it's very unique in that way is uh it stands on its own as an experience yep you could you definitely get your money's worth i mean the the cutscenes alone the story uh the graphics are fantastic and again the music is very very good especially if you're into uh classic guitar uh that's pretty much what it is is classic guitar throughout the whole the whole game classic rock guitar yeah exactly Cool. Well, there we go. Mr. Bones on the Sega Saturn. Out of 13 tombstones, Eric, what are we going to give this bad boy? Out of 13, I am going to give this... I'm going to give this 8.75. Ooh, okay. Higher than I would have thought. I'm going to give it a bump above the, the previous game because I would go back and play this yeah. knowing it's an experience, not a game, is the yeah. way I want to look at it. And I want to kind of play through it. I kind of want to see what craziness the creator came up with, and I will give it an 8 out of 13. 8 out of 13. So it's a it's a winner, though. Both of us are very close in our scores. Yep, yep. And I do kind of regret selling it, but yeah, this game, the, the original copy goes for stupid money, and yeah, of course, that's why I sold it is... I was able to buy probably a, a system or two because I sold this game, but yep, um, I can still play it on original hardware, so I'm happy. Very cool concept, very interesting, unique game. Mr. Bones takes the battle of the systems over Nightmare Creatures, and for the rest of our Halloween goodness, we'll have to wait 15 more days until October 30th, Eric. October 30th, the uh, Hallow's Eve. Eric, yeah, have, have a ghoulish Halloween, sir. <laughs> I will. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk the day before, though, so we're good. That we are, and you and I are gonna do it in a few minutes. But everyone else, you can join us in fifteen days. That's right. Because in next time, until next time, everybody, please remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. 
please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guyden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>